Mr. Squidward, welcome to the night shift. And hello again, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the MI6 Sports Network's Late Night Sports Talk Show. That, of course, folks, is The Night Shift, being joined by a full house of MI6 hosts. And, of course, folks, yours truly, Cal McClurk from the home studios here in San Diego, joined, uh, joined as usual by the fellow Late Night Sports uh, Talk Show host here, uh, host here on the network. Of course, Isaiah Leung from the home studio in Fremont, California, and also folks joining us, as well as our executive producer, shareable Stephen Wang, and our good buddy, John Alcorn, also joining us on this Sunday night, December 6th, 2020. Isaiah, good to see you, man. Welcome to The Shift, buddy. How are we doing tonight? Callan, John, Stephen, great to be back with you guys once again. You know, today it's been a very bittersweet day because in the morning you know it, everything just went my way the 49ers you know my team up like you guys see up there they needed uh the rams to beat the cardinals they needed the uh the vikings to lose to the jaguars uh they needed uh, the bears mm -hmm. to lose. Yeah, they needed the Bears to lose to the Lions, and they got two out of those three things that to happen. The Bears choked to the Lions, and then the um, the Rams, they beat the Cardinals. So now if San Francisco wins on Monday, they are going to be tied, or they're going to be in a three-way three -way tie for the final playoff spot in the NFC. It was um, – a bit greedy to try to expect Minnesota to win, but hey, you know, Minnesota, they went to overtime against Jacksonville. It was a pretty good game, came down to the wire, so props go to Minnesota. But Callan, the tide turned at night, and what I'm talking about is in that Sunday night football game, me and Steven are battling it out, you know, in a playing game for the final playoff berth in our fantasy football league. Whoever wins gets in, whoever loses is out of the playoffs, and we've been talking a lot of trash this entire week between me and him, and I'm telling you guys right now, Stephen Wang is the luckiest human being on the face of the earth because this man right here, uh, someone should put the camera on Stephen. That man right there, he was like he had like a bunch of players play and they all underperformed. And I have the better team than him. And Tyreek Hill was supposed to get. 25 fantasy points before the day started. He was projected to get 25 fantasy points. And what happens, ladies and gentlemen, is Tyreek Hill had three surefire touchdowns all called back. Number one, Patrick Mahomes. Tyreek. On the very first so nice we got to see it twice, I, guys. On, on the very first touchdown, Tyreek Hill was wide open. I mean, there was like no, there was no Broncos defender more than five yards away from him. That's how open he was. And Patrick Mahomes over. 
throws him. That would have been an easy touchdown. Number two, Tyreek uh, Mahomes launches one to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill again is wide open, and there's a Bronco defender only two yards away from him, and he goes up to catch the ball. He bobbles it, and as he's going to the ground, he somehow, some way, the ball lands in his hand. But he didn't know that he caught it, and Andy Reid didn't know he caught it, so they didn't challenge it, and they end up putting the football. What you looking at? That is two touchdowns taken off right there. And number three, in I think the second to the last drive for the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes hits Tyreek Hill for a 48-yard touchdown. And I'm watching, I'm like, yeah, let's go, man. I run out of the house screaming like, yeah, I beat Steven. I beat Steven. And I come back, and there's a flag. And come on, hey, Steve, go, 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 first down, yes, no flag. Oh, it's going to be all damn it. Damn it. And, and I come back home, look at the TV, and Al Michaels is, oh my, is saying, Oh my gosh, man, what a shame. Another touchdown for Tyreek Hill called back because of holding on Eric Fisher. Three surefire touchdowns, all called back. And, and Isaiah, Tyreek tell Hill, the audience, tell the audience who was my fantasy kicker. Time out, time out. Before you before you go to that, Tyreek Hill should have scored at least. 72 or more fantasy points for the second week in a row. And instead, he finishes with only 15 points. And now I'm about to lose to that man because of three surefire how touchdowns. Many points did score? Score? How many points Luckiest did Harrison Bucker score? How many points did Harrison Bucker score? on the history of the earth. This guy has some like magic font, like magic voodoo or something around him because when he's on the. You know, when he's on the mat, that magic voodoo or the lucky leprechaun just takes him and gets him to rise from the dead and gets him to, you know, get be the luckiest man alive and wins his match. I, I am just done, Calvin. I'm, I'm going to, like, think of that seriously. Filing a lawsuit to stop or recount these results. Because this is just plain not fair. There's you, here's Matt. There's you, there. I, I'm done, man. It's, uh... Maybe if you would quit playing 49er players only, you'd actually have a shot of winning fantasy. But Stephen mm -hmm. Wang will let you counter or respond uh, to Isaiah's antics. Uh... Simple Isaiah being overconfident, jinxing things again, turning a good thing into a bad thing. I mean, what else is new, guys? This guy, he picked the 49ers to win their division. He picked the Broncos to win their division. He picked the Jags to be. <laughs> I mean, it's getting ridiculous there, Mr. Squidward. It really is. I mean, this guy, it's just been jinx after jinx after jinx, man. It's just... I don't know. I don't know when he's going to learn his lesson, but every time he loses in the most brutal fashion and he's got to come on to the show. And of course he threatens to not come on, but you know, he's a jolly good fellow and he still takes his L. So I'll give him credit for that. But Isaiah, come on, your jinxes are weak sauce and they keep coming back to bite you. So maybe gain some humility for once. John and I have tried to tell you so many times, but you don't learn. You don't learn. Come on, Jimmy, we got to get this first down. 
Hasty's open! Hasty, oh my god, you take a damn sack! It was wide open! Are you far? Exactly. Isaiah loses again. Isaiah loses again. Ten games of losing. Isaiah loses again. Score, 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 score. Skull, 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 still keep on losing, Isaiah loses again, Isaiah loses again, Isaiah loses again, ten games of losing, Isaiah loses again, he's worse than Stephen Wayne, he's worse than Stephen Wayne, skills keep on losing, skull, 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 skull. And don't worry, folks, we'll have another special uh, sing-along of a team losing again <laughs> later in the show. But with that, folks, it is the night shift in our 28th episode on this December 6th. Again, folks, Callum McClurg, Isaiah Leung, John Alcorn, and our uh, executive producer, Shareable Stephen Wayne, joining us here tonight. Now, folks, as a reminder, we all we are, of course, in the middle of the ongoing deliberation that, of course, is, in fact, uh, day number seven now of the MI6 Sports Network's 31 Days of Hot Takes Challenge. Of course, folks, you can vote live. That poll is live for you folks over on Facebook.com slash MI6 Sports. Tonight, folks, you're voting for either uh, tonight's uh, hot take is from our good buddy, Shree, who wrote in saying that um, Tua Tagovailoa, the quarterback for the Dolphins, is essentially Johnny Manziel 2.0, but without the character issues on and off the field, against a moment that we have played for you folks recently more so here. And this moment here uh, that we have showed you, we'll put it up on screen. That, of course, folks, was the infamous moment when Isaiah had interrupted Stephen's take back in July of this year on the first program we hosted of Wild Sports Talk right here on the MI6 Sports Network, where John and I left the set because if uh, – uh, the reason why, though, was Lamar Jackson was ranked the number one player in the top 100 uh, before the season had started. And we even said if he was ranked number one, we'd leave the set. And sure enough, that, of course, comes to fruition. So you're voting for either Shree or a two-man show of John and uh, myself uh, for this round of the Hot Takes Challenge. Plenty of comments, guys, already rolling in, and we're 10 minutes into uh, the program. We haven't talked about one single game yet, but we have plenty of comments, though, guys, rolling in. First and foremost, Christy Wilson writing in saying hello to everybody, and things are getting wild in the NFC West. We'll have more about that, of course, later in the show. Also, our good man, Casey King, writes in, good evening, guys, from the office man cave. Great sports day for him as the Rams and Trojans all got nice wins today. James Gonzalez also writes in on the Sunday saying hello to everybody as well. And Christy writes in about Isaiah's rant. Magic voodoo. <laughs> Laughing face emoji. Also as well, the uh, network writes into Isaiah, how's that feeling of making the playoffs in fantasy football? Oh, wait. Then again, Isaiah, there is fantasy basketball in a couple weeks. But even then, though, you're probably going to screw that up somehow with who you draft number one overall. He wants and to also, do what his 49ers did. And also as well, uh, Shardol writes into Steven that he should be happy that the Vikes won today. Ryan Schreiner grills Isaiah that he is the Bill Gates <laughs> level of Rich in the L's department, bringing the hammer. And also, Casey writes in, Isaiah may be worse than his boy, Higgins. And no, Isaiah, it is not Higgins diapers. They are called Huggies, not Higgins, per what happened. 
It is Huggies, not Higgins, for that diaper company. With that, though, <laughs> folks, we'll cut to the chase and talk some football finally on this Sunday, week 13 of the NFL season. First and foremost, guys, it is the uh, Browns and the Titans uh, today from down there in Nashville at uh, Nissan Stadium. And this game, guys, surprisingly, was over at halftime. 41-35, Cleveland clinches their first winning record in quite some time and also guarantees a winning record and uh, also sit at right now uh, 9-3 and three on the season. While the Titans uh, came out slow and got clobbered uh, by the Browns on this Sunday. Isaiah, you know, I think rarely, man, do you see an NFL game go this route, though, of it being a total blowout at the half, and it's worth, you know, changing to a, changing to a different game, though. But the Browns, though, man, had their way basically all day with Tennessee. And I don't I don't think, man, we've seen the Titans really, I think, pushed around like this. It's more so them on offense pushing other teams around, though. But, man, oh, man, Kevin Stefanski, I think, though, Isaiah, with every passing game and every victory is getting more and more votes, in my mind, for coach of the year. And, again, this game well over at the half. The Titans, scores made this game a wee bit interesting towards the end, though. But, Isaiah, the Browns, though, solidify a winning record. I believe uh, for the first time since 2007, might be wrong on that stat though. But either way though, Isaiah, Cleveland though, man, is rolling and looking really good as time has gone on. Your thoughts on uh, Isaiah on a huge win uh, for the Browns so far uh, with this uh, huge lopsided victory over Tennessee on the road nonetheless in Nashville. Well, first of all, I want to congratulate my guy, Ryan Schreiner and uh, Miro Ruzic and Mitch Heller and their Cleveland Browns on finally securing a winning record for the first time in over 13 years. You know, it's been a long time for the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns have been the laughing stock of football for the last 10 years. And for them to go from 0-16 just like four years ago, or three years ago and 1-31 and in two years in three years or three years ago to going nine and three clinching a winning record for the first time since 2007 is just remarkable. Uh, Kevin Stefanski has been doing a fantastic job with the Cleveland Browns. Their offense looks so smooth. Uh, they're running the football really well. You know, Nick Chubb, 18 carries, 80 yards, Kareem Hunt, 14 carries, 33 yards. But I think the biggest the biggest takeaway from this game is that Baker Mayfield must have heard all the hate during the Thanksgiving holiday that was spewed about him. He might have, he must have went onto social media and read all of that during his Thanksgiving break because this guy looked like a different man. He looked like he was playing possessed. He looked like he was playing with the purpose. I mean, he was 25 of 33, 334 yards and four touchdowns. I believe that those four touchdowns all came in the first half. He was outstanding uh, throwing the football around today and making great decisions with Rashad Higgins, uh, filling in for Odell Beckham Jr. in six catches. Higgins and not Huggies? Higgins, yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, I didn't say Huggies. But, yeah, Rashad Higgins, six catches, 95 yards, and a touchdown. Donovan Peoples-Jones, two catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown. Jarvis Landry uh, was his normal beast self, eight catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown. Just a total complete effort from top to bottom offense, 
was great. Defense was great until the very end. Special teams was great. Just a flawless effort all the, all the way around from the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, I am proud of the Browns for what they did today and for securing that winning record because those fans in Cleveland, they deserve it 100%. I, absolutely, they deserve this. You know, and, and uh, John, I, I've said this more so to Isaiah because he's always clamoring about, you know, one of his teams not doing well. And I even said this as well, Alcorn. Uh, oh, I think maybe very recently, if there's two guys on this panel, I, I'd throw you in there as a third, but mainly if there's two people on this network panel that fans out there have got to feel bad for, it's Callan and Ryan because of the markets that we live in with two, if not three or four very bad sports franchises. Of course, the Padres here in San Diego for a long time, and of course, Cleveland with the Indians and the Cavs. And the Browns for a long time. I think that the uh, I believe that they uh, uh, called the Browns or the stadium there the factory of sadness. I think recently too, there was like a documentary about the uh, the stadium and about the Browns franchise. And that you know, I, I don't want to compare the Padres and Browns though. But I think John, this is a situation though of like you know we deserve this for once. You know that we see ownership or see coaches and managers, you know, actually trying to put their best foot forward and get teams better. And, you know, you see it come to fruition. And like I've said though as well, John, that when Odell Beckham Jr. went down with that injury, I said on here that may have been the best or biggest blessing in disguise for Baker Mayfield, who statistically by the numbers, you know what, analytics, John, is probably uh, ruining sports though in people's mind. He, statistically, he, by the numbers, plays a lot better without Odell Beckham Jr. on the field. And that may, in fact, be, I, I, I know it's an injury and it sucks, though, but that might be one of the, if not the biggest, in my mind, blessing in disguises for this Browns offense. And again, they took a very good Tennessee ball club and made and made them look two-dimensional and a one-show pony in this ball game. And this game was over at the half, as mentioned. But, John, uh, takeaways uh, from the Browns whooping Tennessee in Nashville earlier today. Folks, I've said this before. I said this in the offseason. I said it right after the playoffs ended last year. The Cleveland Browns, they run the football, get some play action going, and you saw that. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt doing exactly what they're doing. I've said that since 2018, or I've been thinking about this since 2018. Odell, or sorry, Baker Mayfield's rookie year. 27 TDs, a rookie record. Jarvis Landry, even when Odell's been there, Jarvis Landry, according to the numbers, was better. So, folks, this is why I say it's not always about adding the most flashiest or the sexiest player. It's kind of like, oh, I got to get this new iPhone. Oh, wait, there's really no difference. It doesn't help me. Help me succeed. That's like what it is. Odell's like that new flashy iPhone. There's not much difference. It's not going to help you. I'm a fan of Odell, but it wasn't going to help this team. Baker Mayfield, new. I don't think he listened to the criticism. I think he's either accepted it because he didn't want to be in the long list of Browns quarterbacks to be on that jersey list. Sorry, Colt McCoy, that have not worked out. I said the recipe, the stopping Tennessee, and it, announcers know this, you know this, Isaiah, Stephen, anybody that watches basic football knows this. When you stop Derrick Henry, the offense is is already one-dimensional, which means 
One factor of an offensive player is your bread and butter. Once that gets going, then the whole offense and the whole team gets it going. Jadavion Clowney is a fraud. They signed him to a one-year deal. Has that helped their defensive production? It also hurt Seattle's defensive production last year. Okay. Derrick Henry, when they run the ball, when he runs the ball over 100-plus yards, they pretty much win almost every game. The last couple of games, 110 or 120, 130, maybe 115. So you see the numbers there are very good, and they won all those games. Or they had a winning record during that time. He only had 15 attempts. He rushes no less than 19, 20, 19 to 20 plus times per game. A.J. Brown only had, what, four to five receptions. He's supposed to solidify and be the number one receiver. So you're containing the number one receiver for the Titans. You contain Derek Carey, which is especially hard. But as much as I love Ryan Tannehill's resurgent story, with the Tennessee Titans, the fact of the matter is when you stop Derrick Henry or take away Derrick Henry from this team, like we said before on this program, this team is nothing. It's I'm, I'm being point blank. I'm being honest. I'm excited for Baker because I I like how he is as a quarterback personality, a guy I would love to interview. Maybe I will this offseason, but the fact of the matter is this Tennessee Titans offense without Derrick Henry, either on the roster or they stop the running game, this team is no better than, I hate to say this, either the Dolphins or some team that's not going to make the playoffs. Because if, if you have to depend on Ryan Tannehill to make a big play, when they stop Derrick Henry, asked in the AFC Championship game, or was it the, the, against the Chiefs in the playoffs last year. Yeah. They stopped the running game. And what did Ryan Tannehill do? He threw a pick, I believe, to Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, number 32, for the Chiefs. There is no way. This is not being dramatic. This is called watching film. If you're going to watch football, you need to watch film because we don't blow smoke out of our ears. That's just a fact. Unless somehow anything changes. Take away Derrick Henry. He doesn't get that contract. They stopped Derrick Henry. He rushed for, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, 15 carries, 60 yards, and now it's four point yards a carry and no touchdowns. It wasn't much. So basically, when he gets to go and Derrick Henry gets a rushing touchdown, then you can't stop him. Then you can't stop that passing tap with Giona Smith, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, and, of course, that Dante Foreman, the former Texas running back for my Longhorns. All that gets it going. But they stopped it completely. And with that, that totally changes the AFC South. Congrats to the Browns. I'm rooting for y'all. I think this team is much better than 2007. Baker needed this. And I think that this is a step in the right direction. And I think that they're going to figure this out. Run the ball, play action. Congrats, Baker and the Browns fans. Y'all deserve this. And not just that, Baker kind of made a hell of a catch, too, on a trick play. I mean, yeah, it was it was pretty amazing that he got up there and uh, brought that ball down and made that catch. Of, I don't think it went for very long yards, but he made a catch, though, as well. In the he ball had a game. career game this season in completions, attempts, everything. That's what Jadavion Clowney, folks. Jadavion Clowney. <laughs> uh, with that, guys, plenty of thoughts. Shardol wanted to write in real quick to uh, Isaiah as a reminder. It is Huggies, not Higgins, <laughs> I, uh, Isaiah. Get, it's got to be ingrained in here, buddy. We're, that one you're not living down either, along with all your ludicrous hot takes as well. Christy writes in, the Browns spanked the Titans. Ouch. I mean, this game was way out of control early, and it was over early. 
Uh, Ryan Schreiner, our resident Browns fan, says the Browns have the coach and general manager of the year in his mind. I'd agree about coach of the year. GM probably as well. Uh, but I do think that perhaps there's other coaches uh, other than Stefanski. I really don't know if there's really anyone that's close. Brian, Brian Flores is probably, I was just going to mm -hmm. say Brian Flores would be like another one. It's certainly not uh, Adam Gase at this rate, sadly. Uh, James Gonzalez also writes, I was thinking <laughs> that a bunch of Titan players get hurt or something. Congrats to the uh, those long-suffering Brown fans. More to come. Let's call the Jadavion Clowney effect. I'm sorry. If it happened with Seattle, look at the numbers. Also, as well, Ryan says, Callan, that is correct. This is Cleveland's first winning season in 13 seasons. <laughs> Yikes. Now, that was like the Padres having like their first playoff uh, playoff berth in 14 years. So uh, we're right there with you, Ryan. We're we're getting close, buddy. Uh, Christy Wilson, though, guys, defers to the Chiefs having the coach of the year. Again, rightfully so with Andy Reid, but again, there's a lot of talent there. I would still think it's Stefanski, uh, Brian Flores. I would throw Matt uh, Matt Rabel also in that mix, perhaps, too, from Tennessee as a third option. I, mm -hmm. I, I know that John said, probably says no, but it's also about him and I, though, agreeing that Derrick Henry needs consideration, at least for a league MVP, though it probably goes uh, to Pat Mahomes. Also, Ryan Schreiner writes in to say that Andrew Barry is the hero of the season, was dedicated to fixing the offensive line, and the results have shown. Minus OBJ, I think, definitely for sure, in a lot of people's minds. James Gonzalez, guys, also chimes in. That Titans defense is not who we thought they were all season long. Dennis Green agrees <laughs> with John Alcorn. I've been saying that all year. I'm telling you, as much as I love that defense, it's Jadavion Cloudy. He just hasn't formed the way he did at South Carolina. Also, Casey says the Browns are his biggest surprise in the AFC. Didn't have them finishing at 500 this year. Congrats to them and the fan base. James also says that Baker's now earning all of those progressive insurance commercials. <laughs> Literally, though, I love it. The fact that he take, you know, this guy, big personality on and off the field and have him living at the stadium. And what's funny, guys, before we move on to the next game here or the, the last comment, is all of my friends always ask me, so have they given you a cot at the arena? Because I, I feel like I live there when I work hockey games, indoor soccer and lacrosse games. And I'm like, no, but I would like to have one. But uh, I agree, though, that, that in a way that reminds me of uh, of all those um, uh, all the comments I get. And also Chardol says, Isaiah, get that in your head. Huggies, not Higgins. Sorry, Isaiah, but <laughs> that, that, that's not going away anytime soon. I know that you wanted to add on to your points. So we'll go back over to you, Isaiah. What do you got? Isaiah, you're on mute. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just like all over the place tonight. But mm -hmm. uh, I want to talk about the coach of the year. You know, I think uh, obviously Kevin Stefanski has to be the front runner in the AFC. Um, I think Andy Reid, I, I mean, he would get consideration, but I don't know if he'll get it considering the fact that they have so much talent in Kansas City. Um, another guy to watch for if they somehow, some way make the playoffs is Bill Belichick. You know, I know like a lot of people are going to be like, oh, Isaiah, but he's already the coach. Uh, like he's the greatest coach of all time. Yeah, I know he's the greatest coach of all time, but what he has been doing with the New England Patriots roster this year is just downright remarkable. This team, uh, Cam Newton can't throw the football, so all they just do is run the football and play defense. And for them to be, I believe, what, six and seven, I might be wrong on that, but yeah, for them to be sitting right now, 12 weeks into the season, at 6-6 six and six with a quarterback that can't throw the football, with no wide receiver, uh, wide receiving weapons, that's uh, just downright impressive. And I got to say also, uh, if you're looking at um, 
you know, the NFL in general, you got to throw Kyle Shanahan's name in there because if the 49ers make the playoffs, how can you not give him consideration for coach of the year, considering all the injuries that he's had to deal with and for him to somehow lead that team that has been so injury plagued without Bosa, without Kittle, without their quarterback and without the running backs and wide receivers for a majority of the time, if he can get them to the playoffs, that's a great job. Well done. I have one more name to throw in there, fellas. Sean McDermott of Buffalo has got to be in the consideration as well that I, I know it's kind of like a transitional year right now in the AFC East, but that McDermott, I think has got to be maybe a fourth option on my list along with Stefanski, Brian Flores, uh, Matt Vrabel, I think needs to be considered as well with uh, Tennessee. And then I would have to have McDermott as my fourth guy on my ballot right now, guys, a couple more comments funneling in Ryan also chimes in to say, I am thankful that Clowney didn't want to go to the Browns, his loss we'll see how things do in fact go and also guys james gonzalez also writes in coach of the year though in the nfl usually goes to the best record in the league unlike the nba or major league baseball where they give it to the best story in the league and i think that sadly sucks if that's in fact how things do in fact go but again folks as a reminder say that again mike tomlin as well in the name of uh afc coach of the year yeah, and I think that he's had to work through, a, you know, work through a, a lot, but obviously perhaps could be leading the next 16 or no ball club again, maybe next unbeaten team in the regular season in Pittsburgh. But again, folks, as a reminder, you can visit facebook.com slash mi6sports and cast your votes for the uh, ongoing day. That is day seven right now of our network, 31 days of hot takes challenge. Again, it's either Shri saying that Johnny Manziel or that uh, Tua is Johnny Manziel 2.0, but without the character issues against me and John Mathis leaving the set when Isaiah declared that it was Lamar Jackson ranked number one in the preseason top 100 players list. With that, guys, a game that came down to a Hail Mary and almost saw the tank get derailed, but the Jets still lose, guys, after Derek Carr connects on a 45-yard game-winning TD, uh, TD to Henry Ruggs with five ticks to go on the clock as the Raiders Come back to keep the Jets winless, 31-28 Vegas over New York at MetLife Stadium. Isaiah, talk about some twists and turns, peaks and valleys, and a roller coaster of emotion, man. Over the final five minutes and 40 seconds, we see the Jets go ahead again with a rushing touchdown on the goal line. The Raiders turn the ball over on fourth down in Jets territory, get the ball back, drive down the field. Derek Carr overshoots uh, a receiver on one deep ball. Uh, a couple of penalties are also uh, in the mix as well. And then Derek Carr on the run in the pocket is able to bomb one deep. Ruggs reels it in on the J and Jets for the game-winning and game-sealing touchdown. The Jets almost won this ball game, but sadly, Isaiah, almost does not count and nor do moral victories. Isaiah, your final thoughts on this ball game as the Raiders keep the uh, Jets winless on the season. Isaiah, you're muted. Do you, you guys got me? All right. So my my reaction to this game is, first of all, John Gruden needs to send Adam Gase and the entire Jets organization 500 gift baskets for helping them save their season. I mean, that, that was like the most luckiest thing besides Steven getting Tyreek Hill from me to drop three touchdown passes. That was like the most luckiest thing I've ever seen in my life. The Raiders...
The Raiders should have lost this game. This was a terrible performance in the first half and also most of the second half by the Raiders. But they only won this game because of the most dumbest play call on defense from Greg Williams in the history of the NFL. You talk about, it's I, I believe it's like second and 10 from the 50. The Raiders have the football, and I think there's like, John Callen, correct me if I'm wrong on this, I think there was... 30 or no, I think there was like 24 seconds left, something like that. Yeah, it was like, yeah. yeah, very little time. And every coach, every coach, whether you're coaching high school, whether you're coaching uh, Pee Wee football, whether you're coaching college, or whether you're coaching in the NFL, or everybody knows, yes, everybody knows in the NFL, or everybody knows when you're doing in that situation, you do not blitz, you play prevent. Defense, because you you know that the opposing team is going to try to go deep because they need a touchdown to win that football game. But what does Greg Williams do? He calls an all-out blitz, leaving the corner one-on-one -on -one with perhaps the one of the fastest wide receivers in the NFL and Henry Ruggs, and Henry Ruggs just speeds past him into the end zone. Derek Carr finds him wide open, touchdown, ball game. It was just an embarrassment. Uh, Adam Gase needs to be fired. Greg Williams needs to be fired. And I, you know what? I'm going to take it a step further. The entire Jets organization needs to be investigated for purposely tanking and throwing football games. If you look at all the analysts, right, from CBS, Fox, that talked about this game afterwards, all of them were like, why would you call the uh, – all-out blitz on that play. Everybody knows you don't call an all-out blitz on that play. And the Jets, they called an all-out blitz, and they lost the game. And, you know, they still have that shot at uh, Trevor Lawrence. You know, John, I, I do think that probably there's there's maybe some scrutiny about this game, but more so I, I don't buy into the whole Tom Fullery about, you know, teams – or a team like the Jets, we already know if they're going down the drain as is, and I think they're on track to be 0-16. They may, perhaps, I doubt it, they'll have a chance to maybe win their final game of the year versus New England, but I highly doubt that now. But more so that this game, though, but more so the, you know, more so I've seen this, I think, maybe recently and kind of picked up on this, though, um, with a couple of games I'd seen maybe with other teams I've watched, I mean, in College of the Pros, though, but when you bring the house, you bring everybody on a blitz, that just, I think, leaves you more vulnerable to leaving big parts of the field wide open for receivers. And if you have a great quarterback or even, you know, a, a, a you know above average or a good quarterback or any quarterback for that matter, you give them enough room or enough open real estate on that field and you bring the house on a blitz. I mean, it, it's bound to backfire. And sadly, in this case, it does backfire for the Jets. I mean, it's it's probably, you know, a win, though, for them in their mind because they keep, for one, the zero on the uh, in the win column and also keep that number one draft stock. However, though, John, you would think, though, at least, that even though that the season's not gone right, though, you would still try to play to win the game, as Herm Edwards would say in that situation. Yes. This is a New York Jets team that should – fraud is illegal. You should be arrested. Every single person in the organization, the owner, the GM, the coach, the staff, for pretending to be a team for New York. You haven't represented New York in 10 plus years. As you see, as my nickname for tonight, Fire Adam Gase. 
I don't care how bad your corners are if you don't have starters or anything of the sort. The fact of the matter is, at the end of the day, that was a terrible, terrible decision. And it makes it even worse because it was on Henry Ruggs, if not the fastest receiver in the NFL right now. In what mind? I don't know what Adam Gase's composure was after the game. I would love to see the Jets locker room after that game. Because this is just continued decision after decision. If they are actually tanking for Lawrence, which, number one, you don't tank. That's just pure stupidity as a franchise. You could just look at not just in football, but in the NBA. Ask the 76ers. They haven't done anything. But going back to this topic, though, the Jets are the Jets. Nothing is ever going to change. The same GM, the same owner. The Raiders, this does not save their season. Because let's say they make the playoffs. If you took to almost overtime to beat the Jets, you don't deserve to be in the playoffs this year. This more says that this saves Derek's car or career with the Raiders, at least for the rest of the season, if not for this next week. Because there's conversations, and I was agreeing with them because I was defending Carr the past two to three years. If they lose this game, he's out, out of the race after the season. So this saves him another week or two to potentially have discussions of Raiders getting a new quarterback all around. They should not be proud of this win. A win is a win, but with how Kansas City played and how they are going to play in the playoffs, you should be more disappointed. I know you take every – they did not take this game seriously. I'm sorry, folks. It's, I don't know if there's Josh, Josh Jacobs was starting at all, but he didn't seem to get anything done if he was even playing on the field. Derek Carr, I'm glad I decided not to start him. I understand that they, they threw the pass late in the game, but this is the Jets. I can't even name one of their defensive players. I, I'm not even joking. I, they're, they're so bad. They have nobody on that roster. You know they're tanking. But the question is now, before I... I let y'all elaborate. If they get Trevor Lawrence, are we going to hear the same story again in the next three to four years after they draft him? They've never addressed the offensive line. And I think this is just, I'm not saying the Raiders are a fraud, but this does not help them advance farther into the playoffs this year. I'm, I'm not convinced of this Raiders team. I was defending them. But I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And if they do, they're not going to make it. How do you barely beat the Jets? Brian Poole, I think that's his name, is your best corner. It's shameful. Adam Gase should be fired. He shouldn't have a job in the NFL. He can't even keep a job in the NFL, much less. You know, this was the only game on in the morning slate out here on the West Coast, uh, John and Isaiah, on CBS today. And watching this game, trying to listen to the Bears game, we'll get into them momentarily, fellas. And, uh, you know, and just seeing the, you know, the Raiders, you know, just not click on all cylinders today. But above all else, they fall behind the eight ball, fellas, with 540 left in the game. They're mm -hmm. losing by four. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is going on here? Like the Jets may, in fact, I think I even checked, uh, texted the uh, Texted the host chat today when the uh, uh, Raiders turned the ball over on fourth down that the Jets are going to win the game or, you know, Jets win, Jets win. But yet the Jets are still the Jets, sadly. And we see Derek Carr drive down there and uh, Henry Ruggs makes the catch after I think the guy's also making up for a mistake that we made where he dropped the pass, I think, uh, right maybe a few plays earlier or a series uh, earlier, maybe. 
that, uh, you know, great way to make up for that play. But again, the Jets, though, uh, sadly, here is probably a live look at the uh, beleaguered Jets fan base. A whole bunch of sad stormtroopers with how things have been so far in East Rutherford, New Jersey at this rate. But again, folks, the Raiders knock off the uh, Jets somehow, some way. Derek Carr, a perfect throw in between the numbers of Henry Ruggs into the end zone at basically the final buzzer with five ticks to go on the game clock. 31-28 Raiders over the Jets from MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Plenty of thoughts, guys, about this ball game as the Raiders again hold off the winless Jets. James Gonzalez, our resident Raider fan, says, I was so disappointed in my Raiders all game long, which is never a surprise. They got so lucky again. More so luck today than any other uh, game probably so far on the season. James also says, thank goodness for Greg Williams sending out the all-out blitz on that pass drugs. As I said, though, guys, when you bring the house, though, and you blitz everybody, it just leaves way too many gaping holes that you, that exposes the defense, and that's and that right there is one that the Jets will not live down. Casey, with plenty of thoughts here, the Jets are definitely a bunch of Higgins, <coughs> Isaiah, and have been Higgins, Isaiah, since they left Shea Stadium. Like I said before, they need to move back to Flushing and build the new stadium next to City Field with the Mets play. Uh, they're cursed. And yeah, the Raiders were very lucky. Their defense is pathetic. Derek Carr saved their skin in the end of this ball game. Uh, definitely so. But more so, I think it's more about the Jets bringing everybody to blitz to close out the game. James says, well, at least the Jets didn't mess with their prime draft position. And also, Casey says, shot or surprised that Greg Williams uh, still has a job as the coordinator, but only leave it to uh, the Jets to give him a shot yet again. And also, Christy writes him, the Jets just flat out suck and need a complete overhaul as well. Ryan Schreiner chimes in. The Jets coaching staff got a call from the front office that they didn't want to miss out on the top overall pick. Okay, now let me say this. Even if they finish with one win, wouldn't they still hold the number one pick regardless? Yeah. They're so the even if they want to the game, who cares? Isaiah, you're muted. They don't have that many more losses like the 49ers. But... I, I, I don't believe so because if I read correctly, the – Jaguars actually, uh, if they both finish with one win, the Jaguars would uh, take the number one pick over the Jets because they have like the better uh, strength of schedule or whatever type. So of there he goes. So Jacksonville. Jacksonville also having a, a lot of one win on their record. Also, Casey says Adam Gase is definitely uh, definitely should have been fired. As well, and uh, and he will know, uh, and he will not be the next head coach of the USC Trojans. Come on, so, USC! You know you want it. Yeah, Come on. you know you Come want on, it, Georgia. On, you know you want it. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Uh, also, as well, Christy Wilson says tanking sucks, regardless of the sport. Again, like John said, ask they trust the process. Seventy Sixers about that again, and I believe that the Sixers. Uh, I think that the Sixers have the worst all-time record in the NBA for a single season. Someone, if someone could look this up for me, I believe that they went nine and seventy-three or eight and seventy-four back in like nineteen seventy-two or seventy-three. But sometime back mm -hmm. in the seventies, so the Sixers literally won eight or nine games and had like seventy-plus losses pre the tr uh, trust the process era came around. Uh, so if someone can find that for me, that'd be very much appreciated. James also writes in. Derek Carr missed so many passes deep to Nelson Aguilar. Was angry at all the points the Raiders left on the uh, left off the board. 
you know, and Aguilar's looked a lot better with the Raiders more so in my mind. So we'll see how things go. Also, Casey says the Jets will screw up their draft pick like they usually do. Yeah. Eh, they're not the Knicks. I think they'll be okay. Also, James says uh, that, yes, Josh Jacobs was out and it showed how much they need him or needed him in general. And he also mm -hmm. says that I couldn't have shown my face outside uh, had the Raiders lost to the Jets. Ryan also writes in, Callens Bears, Trevor's Chargers, and the Jets are in close competition for a king of hurting their fans right now in the NFL. I agree wholeheartedly. Isaiah does write in. I think that the Harbaugh gift would summarize the Jets fan base as well. Uh, we don't use it a lot because we don't really need to, but we'll use it just because he wanted it to be shown. We'll be talking about that one for a long time, Joe. I hope he actually wore Levi's when he worked at Levi's Stadium. If not, then that's a travesty in marketing by the uh, Niners and their marketing team. Our good friend Julio Mendez chimes in. The Jags almost won the day as well, but they lost in overtime to uh, Minnesota from U.S. Bank Stadium. Also as well, Isaac Wang chimes in, fellas. Called Adam Gase a fraud back in 2015. Sadly, no one believed me laughing out loud. And here we are. And James does confirm for me that the 76ers in 73 won, I believe, nine games that year and went nine and 73, I believe. So they became the nine and 73ers, I think was their name in 73, but they were a woefully bad ball club. And also James throws one more in there, fellas. The 2012 Charlotte Bobcats went seven and 59 in the strikes, uh, strike shortened NBA season. So uh, definitely some uh, teams out there not looking too shabby right now. But again, the Raiders, thanks to a Derek Carter, Henry Ruggs, Hail Mary, beat the winless Jets from East Rutherford, New Jersey, 31-28. The Raiders over the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Next game, fellas, the Colts and Texans from NRG Stadium in Houston. The Colts once again win a ball game. More so a defensive play today, 26-20. The Colts over the Texans from NRG today. Highlighted as well by a safety in this ball game by the Colts defense and also Deshaun Watson with some very uh, blistering commentary when the game concluded, saying that he's getting tired of the losing bleep as well with the Texans organization right now. Isaiah, the Colts, I think, have pretty much vaulted themselves into a great spot here for first place in the AFC South, and they still find a way to win ball games right now, obviously in a very right now weak AFC South division. But Isaiah, your takeaway, though, from this ball game with the uh, Colts, knocking off the Texans in Houston 26-20 today from NRG Stadium. Just like the Raiders, the Colts got lucky as well. The Texans should have won this game. They had the football, I believe, first and goal at the Indianapolis Colts three-yard line, down six points, down 26 to 20. And then they, I, I believe the, uh, the, it's a bad snap from the center to Deshaun Watson. They fumble the snap. The Colts pick it up, and there you have it, ball game over. Um, I really understand Deshaun Watson's frustrations because the Texans, they should have won that game. It's a very, very painful loss, especially the way that you lost that game by fumbling the snap when you have the football literally three yards away from scoring the game-winning touchdown. And for you to lose that way is just really painful. And, you know, the Texans, I agree with Deshaun Watson. They got to get him a, a better coach. They got to get him a better general manager. They got to put – uh, better pieces around him because you guys know this, Callan. Deshaun Watson, you know, after his contract ends, I know he just signed a lucrative contract extension, but you know, if when his like contract ends or he wants out, 
you know, quarterbacks have all the leverage in the world. They can demand a trade, and the Texans will be back to square one. So the Texans, they got to do everything they can in their power to please Deshaun Watson because I believe that, that Deshaun Watson is the best thing that has happened to this franchise since they drafted J.J. Watt back, I believe, in 2011. You know, uh, John, more so, you know, the Texans in a way – you know, coming to the NFL in 2002 with David Carr as their quarterback, brand new franchise, trying to fill that void for football fans in Houston when the uh, Oilers went to Tennessee and became the Titans uh, several years prior. And really, though, they've been good, but really, I think, are still not really, I think, respected amongst NFL fans in my mind. And that Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt have kind of, in a way, put this club on the map, though. But when you're also remembered, though, sadly, for a once in a million implosion in the postseason against the Chiefs, nonetheless, who go on to win the whole kit and caboodle last season. And now, of course, you're in a rebuilding year. You fire Bill O'Brien. A lot of internal strife, though, this season with O'Brien not seeing eye-to-eye with J.J. Watt. A lot of uh, you know reports, uh, John, early in the year of a lot of uh, very heated exchanges between Watt and O'Brien during practices. And it's not a lot of things going on or you know things not going right, I should say, with both the, with, uh, the players and coaches. That a move had to be made, though. But now, though, I think, John, that sadly, but I, I say this a lot, though, Alcorn, is when a lot of these college players like a Watson, a Tagovailoa, or other guys that go to these prestigious schools that win a lot, they're not used to losing. And I think it kind of, in a way, takes a bit of a bigger toll on them when they get to the pros, though. Like, for example, Watson playing at uh, Clemson, I believe, if I'm correct on that. You go from a very, you know, from a program that wins a lot to now the struggles of winning and losing but when you're so used to winning though man it's hard to re- remember how it feels to lose though and I think that's kind of in a way wearing on Watson not just the losses I think John but also I think the internal strife though too between coaches and players but what do you think about this game and also about the Texans woes in your mind at this rate DeAndre Hopkins you signed Lamry Townsend to a deal who is one of the most undisciplined left tacklers, if not one of the most undisciplined left tackles in the NFL, if not potentially in NFL history or the last couple of years. J.J. Watt basically said it without saying it. He wants out. I said this before. You're rebuilding and you paid the quarterback before his rookie contract expires? <gasps> Where have we seen this not work out? So many different franchises in the NFL. Folks, Deshaun Watson deserved to get paid. He had 15 TDs, zero picks. He's last, like, eight, nine, plus eight, whatever. He's playing phenomenal. DeAndre Hopkins. You had comments about him. He continuously go on through the offseason. We know he doesn't have the leadership. Despite them winning the division, despite with Vince Young not working out or or any other, Jake Locker, any those guys, have maybe two playoff wins, if even that, despite all those divisional wins. Folks, the Texans are a joke of an organization. They're not respected. I like Deshaun Watson as a player when he beat Alabama in the championship game in the last TD pass, I believe, to Hunter Winfrey. I'd be wrong on that one. Against Alabama. Right at the end of the game, too. Exactly. That's what I'm – yeah, it was Hunter Winfrey. But basically, Deshaun Watson, I said, I said this to my cousin. He's not going to finish his career or that contract with Houston. If J.J. Watt goes out, like he's saying, or not without saying it, Deshaun Watson's out, you don't have the weapons. DeAndre, and I know we keep going back to this, but this is part of the route. You pay Lamry Tunsil, 
you know he's not disciplined. You can't protect the quarterback. You trade away his best receiving weapon. For guess what? Brandon Cooks has had three to four concussions in his career. Guess how many times he's been traded? Three to four times. Because guess what? Concussions. And the Rams still owe him money. And he was evaluated for, guess what, a potential concussion. I'm glad he didn't have that. I don't wish D-Health on nobody. But that's the same thing again in his whole career. Duke Johnson, David Johnson, only got like 10 points in fantasy. At some point, this Texans, the GM, I don't know who the GM is or how long he's been there. He needs to be fired. I know we've talked about that already a lot on this segment of the show. Deshaun Watson is wasting his time with the Texans. I know 100% they re-signed him. But you don't re-sign a quarterback and then fire your coach and start rebuilding. Because that's not going to be the last time that you do it with the Houston Texans. Even the Texans at their best, they've never had a franchise quarterback. Matt Schaub wasn't the guy. David David Carr did not work out. And that's his fault because he can't continuously get hit again and again. That that was the center's fault today. That's your offensive line you set for your coach. Romeo Cornell is the interim head coach right now for the Houston Texans. If I got that name wrong, let me know. That's correct. Romeo Cornell. This whole organization – is as respected as the Houston Rocket in the finals. Oh, wait. Sorry, was that too early? The fact of the matter is both Houston teams cannot get it done. Deshaun Watson is the only reason why people talk about the Texans. Take him away. J.J. Watt isn't what he used to be, folks. He's not. He's still the first ballot Hall of Famer. He should be a great veteran piece to many teams in the NFL that are looking to potentially be in contention in the 2021 NFL season. Deshaun Watson will not finish his career. And I was wrong about the Colts this year. I've had so many bad takes, many bad sports takes. That was one of them. I was wrong about the Colts. No, this could be easily flipped around if the center didn't right. have a bad snap. But it doesn't matter. The Colts won. Phillip Rivers made the throws when it matters. And they still have a top offensive line. I've said that with the Colts before the year started, even last year, which Chloe Brissett, despite them going 5-11, and 6-10 and 10 or something like that last year. I feel bad for Deshaun Watson. I'm not saying he'll demand a trade, but I guarantee you, before that contract expires, it doesn't actually start until after 2021. So before his contract technically even starts, which is still this year and next year, then the new contract goes into effect. I believe that's how it works. He's going to either he'll stay for one year of the contract or he'll demand a trade before his four- to five-year contract goes into effect. I don't blame him. Houston, You, the only good thing Houston did was trading Jadavion Clowney. Because now J.J. Watson, old veteran, really muscles, you paid a defender who now isn't necessarily getting it done. This is all great on the Colts. Frank Wright deserves the praise. Philip Rivers deserves the praise. A great second-round pick, I believe, out of Stanford. All great all around. But Deshaun Watson will not finish his career with the Texans. J.J. Watt won't. And a lot of these receivers that they have could be gone after the year. Brandon Cooks isn't the guy. Randall Cobb, Kenny Stills, all those guys could be gone. And you're left with no receiving weapons, and you have maybe five to six wins on the year, which I predicted them to have before the season started. 
Sean Watson will not finish his career with the Texans. Mark my words. John, I think a lot of people agree with you uh, on this segment. First of all, our uh, other resident Raider fan from the MI6 family, Martin Garcia, says Raiders win. Never hurts to be lucky, y'all, at this rate. Also, James writes in, uh, the Texans have to trade Watson if possible. If they can't help him in the next couple of seasons, then some other team can. Julio Mendez uh, writes in, it was a bad snap from the center. Watson does deserve better. Angel Berrigan Jr. joins us tonight. He says to uh, hello to everybody. The Texans might have just taken themselves out of the postseason easily for sure. Julio also writes in, as a Texan fan, I hope we don't trade Deshaun Watson. Need to rebuild around him. We'll see what, of course, does happen. Also, Casey writes in that the Texans need to be uh, need to be called the Oilers instead of the Texans. I do not think, though, Casey, much like the Browns-Ravens uh, situation and the Chargers situation, maybe more so with the Browns when they left for uh, Baltimore, they're not. I don't think they're technically allowed to do that because I believe that the Titans still own the rights to the Houston Oiler brand. So I don't know if it's really going to be that easy or they can do that at this rate, sadly. Uh, also, James also writes in, the Texans always made those uh, wild card Saturdays and lose most of the time. Won't see them come January. With that, guys, we'll keep this a very brief uh, segment here. But Christy Wilson is asking, the big question is, if J.J. Watt is traded, where does he go? John, we'll start with you. Folks, I, that's a good question. Let me look up a couple of teams right here, but I that's think a good question, Chris. I think John, John, I think we have the answer from James Pittsburgh. Family no, already there. No, they don't. It's not about that. It's about the money situation with this contract. Do the Steelers have enough money? Because let's say Big Ben does stay there next year, if depending on how far they go in the playoffs, they could sign him to another year. Because remember, this is his last year of his two-year deal. So they're going to have to re-sign Big Ben depending on what he decides to do and also of their playoff success. So there's a lot of – that could – it would be interesting because you play with TJ Watt and all that, that would be great. But the fact of the matter is, ooh, what about Buffalo? They could use another weapon on defense. Buffalo could lose a thing on defense here. Of course, we know don't go to the a couple other teams, <coughs> Lions or any other thing. But I think that or potentially the Colts or Miami would be a very interesting pick considering they are a very young team with cap space and draft picks. I think those three teams, in my opinion, would be very interesting for J.J. Watt. All right, so Isaiah, we have John saying Buffalo perhaps being a suitor for a defensive weapon uh, more so than Pittsburgh and due to more so the money constraints with Big Ben. How about you? Ooh, uh, this is a very tough question. I'm going to go with two teams, actually, and I'm not really certain about their cap situation, but I know they have draft picks and, I, you know, they need pass rushing help. And that is the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. We've seen ever since Khalil Mack got traded, they don't have any pass rushing threat. I know they have Max Crosby. He's a pretty good player, but he's not really a difference maker. Uh, Cleveland Farrell, the number four pick, hasn't really lived up to the hype. So J.J. Watt, if you put him 
in the Raider defensive line. I think he will be that difference maker that will unlock all the other pieces around the defensive line and the linebackers and uh, the secondary. Um, and the other team, I would say it's got to be Arizona. You know, Arizona is a team that they've got a dynamic offense, but their big issue is defense. And today when I watched them against the Rams, they didn't really get that much pressure on Jared Goff. So I think that J.J. Watt would be a fit for either of those two teams. Oh, very fair. Very fair observation. John, back over to you. Chandler Jones is still there for next year, so I'm not sure about their cap completely, but I don't think they potentially could have enough money. It just depends on what they can do with Chandler Jones and his contract. Because remember, he's out for the year. Patrick Peters said they may have to move on from him because he's not getting it done. So that would be an interesting fit. It's just interesting what you do with the veteran pieces on defense. We'll see. I mean, I, I, I really can't think of anyone off the top of my head that needs defensive help. I mean, it's maybe more so for an offseason uh, because I know that for some reason Chicago would probably be involved. It's like we don't need more defensive help. We need offense and a new head coach. Uh, some more thoughts, guys, real quick. Angel says, I felt that the Texans got over the hump last season and became legit, but O'Brien decided to trade everyone and, alienated and uh, also alienate everyone as well. And again, he got canned. Mm -hmm. As well, Julio says he's hoping that uh, if they do trade Watt, he goes to Buffalo as O'Brien has ruined the franchise. Christy would like J.J. Watt in Dallas, but honestly would not uh, know how that would work. And they don't need any defensive help either. They need offense. You know, Chicago and Dallas from the same boat at this rate. And also Angel says the only problem with J.J. Watt, he gets hurt, sadly, very, very often. Uh, again, he's had a lot of elbow problems, knee problems, uh, other things going on as well. At this rate, and also Angel says, agreed, at least they're not the Tennessee Tigers in regards to the Titans and the Oilers. He also says that uh, that is what they should have done with the Chargers. If I was running the NFL, I would have told Dean Spanos, you can move the team to L.A., but change the name. Uh, uh, keep the uh, uh, the name, the history, and the logo in San Diego. It doesn't really matter to me anymore at this rate. And also as well, uh, Angel says that Buffalo is a good choice, but I could see Watt to Miami. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Very good landing spot, perhaps, for J.J. Watt, if, in fact, though, that uh, the Texans move on from him and Deshaun Watson. With that, guys, a longtime NSC North battle between the Lions and Bears from what was a snowy and cold Soldier Field. The Bears had the game in the bag until Mitch Trubisky, fellas, has his one lone blemish, a strip sack fumble with a minute 57 to play in the game in his own territory, and the Lions roar back, literally, with two touchdowns in the final two minutes and 18 seconds to beat Chicago in Chicago, 34-30. The Lions over the Bears. That sends the Bears to their sixth straight loss in their first six-game losing streak, fellas, since 2002. In perspective, the Bears played that entire season at Memorial Stadium, the home of the University of Illinois, um, fighting Illini due to the uh, uh, renovations being done at that time for Soldier Field. And sadly, guys, nothing new with Chicago. However, though, probably in my mind, they're probably their most complete offensive game. However, that one mistake or that one big turnover was kind of, though, in my head throughout the course of this game. And it comes at the absolute worst possible time with a minute 57 to go in the game. And Trubisky is strip sacked, recovered by the Lions deep in Chicago territory. And it's and it's basically... Uh, you know, uh, a gimme for Adrian Peterson to uh, run, uh, walk into the end zone and get the uh, and give the Lions the victory. 
over the Bears in Chicago. Again, 34-30 as the Lions score 14 unanswered points in the final 218 to win the game over Chicago. And again, give the Bears their sixth straight loss. And this marks their longest losing streak since they were at University of Illinois Stadium in 2002. As you were talking about a long time ago. And sadly, the woes, though, man, from this Bears team continue. But again, like I said, though, probably, though, if there's one positive, minus Trubisky's blunder towards the end, probably Chicago's most complete offensive game. But yet, the Bears find a way to bear trap themselves and lose a game in, sadly, 2020 Chicago Bears fashion here today. But Isaiah, we'll go over to you for your thoughts as the Bears once again lose a game again. Isaiah, you're muted. Well, Callan, I'm just going to keep this short because I want to save the floor for you because you're a Bears fan and I'm pretty sure you have a lot to get off your chest. But all I got to say is Merry Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. Christmas came early, my fellow Niners faithful brothers. We needed the Bears to lose. We needed the, uh, the Rams to beat Arizona to have a chance at making the final wild card playoff spot. And, oh, my gosh, Christmas, in fact, came early. I thought for sure that the Bears were going to win. I even I checked the score on my phone when I think it was like 2, 2.30 left, and I saw that the, uh, the Bears, they had a double-digit lead on the Detroit Lions. I was like, oh, damn it, man. The Niners are going to be – uh, yeah, they're going to be, I believe, tied with the Bears once again, and the Bears are probably going to be ahead of us because they have a tiebreaker. Well, if and when you lose tomorrow, you're going to be tied again with us, so don't get too excited there, sir. Well, Callan, I'm just out here celebrating because, you know, this was a miracle. I didn't expect the Bears to choke this game away, but when – it's just the typical Bears, man. Normally, the defense shows up, but the offense doesn't show up. This time, however, it was it was the defense. It was the defense that doesn't show up, and the offense that shows up. So, I, I don't I don't know what to say anymore with the Bears. Matt Nagy needs to be fired. Ryan Pace needs to go. The Bears need to have a house cleaning. But I'm just really uh, happy right now because this Bears loss means that the 49ers, if they beat Buffalo, if they beat Buffalo on Monday night, the 49ers will be tied for that final spot in the NFC playoffs. And I am feeling so great right now. Again, if and when you can beat Buffalo on Monday. Otherwise, you're right back on the couch with me at 5-7. and seven. But more so, I will have to disagree, though, John, with Isaiah about today's game. Because both sides of the ball played great until the turnover happens again at the last or worst possible time with this uh, happening. Uh, under two minutes left, you still have, you know, a, a very microscopically to that time, but it comes though deep in your own territory. And also that basically that happens. And right then and there, the game is gone by the wayside when that happens. But I would probably have to dispute though the whole argument though about the defense not being there. This, like I said, that was probably more so for the Bears' offensive psyche, at least, was probably their first complete game played minus the turnover. But again, it's 2020, and the Bears find a way to once again shoot themselves in the foot, John, and lose a game in typical Chicago Bears fashion. So, yes, I'm upset about the loss and then blowing the lead, though. But at the same time, 
like there's positives. This, I think, looked like a very good showing for this Bears offense. Montgomery in the running game looking great. He had two touchdowns in the first half. Uh, the Bears, I think, had three rushing touchdowns in the first half. And again, it's been a very big microcosm due to, again, uh, Tariq Cohen being out for the season. He got hurt, I think, early in the year with a torn ACL. Uh, and that Montgomery played great. Cordero Patterson played great. However, though, sadly, Allen Robinson also is probably the scapegoat, along with Trubisky, for him going out of bounds a yard short. And the Bears cannot get uh, convert on fourth one to keep the drive alive, though, late in the game. And that, of course, is what uh, also uh, crushes Chicago here today. But, uh, uh, John, your thoughts about the Bears, for one, imploding, but also as well how their offense, perhaps, sadly, maybe, maybe not, turning some type of very small corner. But again, it is what it is. Is Matt Nagy trying to get fired? Like, like folks, let's be brutally honest about that. Is Matt Nagy trying to get fired? Because if that is the case... Here's your pink slip. Here's your job. You can leave. They're wasting Cleo Max prime years. I don't want to hear no conversations this offseason about, oh, did the Bears waste time trading, trading for a Cleo Max? Two first-round pits. Oh, my gosh. This is the same Bears team the year before. Got Mike Glennon on a three-year deal and had Mark Sanchez on the same quarterback roster with Victor Cruz, but couldn't make the final roster. Matt Nagy, you don't deserve to be a coach in the NFL. Think about this, though. 2018, they were a team, a great team. You should. It's too late to do it now because you're about to miss the playoffs, but what could you have done different now? Look at what you did then. Obviously not the same kind of plays. Defenses figure it out. But Matt Nagy is not going to be there next year. They have great defense. Two to three of those defensive players were formerly on my Denver Broncos, but Peyton Manning was the quarterback before the dismantle of my Broncos, and he did dismantle right. for them. This is still happening. Chicago is a team, if they're not careful, they could not contend for, continue not to contend for 10-plus years. Because let's say Jordan Love is the future for the Packers. Let's say Minnesota does draft a young quarterback. Detroit moves on from Matthew Stafford. They get a new quarterback. They're in trouble. This is I want them to succeed because I've seen players from Jared Allen get it done. Jay Cutler was also on your team. He wasn't a good quarterback. Brandon Marshall finally said that last year. I feel bad for you, Callan, and I mean this in the most sincere way, though, because that defense, I don't want you all to blame that defense. Oh, for how I'm bad not, they're playing. I say you blame no, not you, not on, you, on, but like on it, but no way. Offensive production does not match the defensive production. It's been that way. I said that last year on my show when I first started this podcast. Again, don't listen to my first one. I pay you not to. The point is, the offensive production is like the worst blend of ice cream. It's like butter pecan. It's bland. It's dry. It looks it looks okay, but don't eat it. But don't believe in the Chicago Bears offense. There is no reason why you should have traded for Nick Foles. Even with Trubisky, who was a bust, even his numbers, 13 games have so started in college, completion percentage was down. Same thing in his career, down. He's not a leader. 
Neither is, neither is Matt Nagy. I don't want to hear excuses. If the Patriots, well, we'll talk about that later. Chicago, you're done. Matt Nagy, new coach. But for Detroit, the first game without Matt Patricia, what does Matthew Stafford do in his first game? 400 yards, three TDs, I believe, without one of the starting receivers playing. Correct me if I'm wrong. DeAndre Ron. Swift did not play today. That is correct. Exactly. So one of your star players was out, and you have completed 64% of your passes. And if I remember looking at the numbers really on top of my head, it was a top five game for him this year. As you know, they struggled all year. No offensive line. The defense is pretty much garbage. One of their old defensive players is now on the sorry, one of their old defensive players is now on the Seattle Seahawks practice squad. So Detroit finally had a side of relief. We don't have Matt Patricia. We can be ourselves. We have no bullhog. This is more about Matt Patricia than it does this team. Is this team as good as it looks on paper? No. Is that Matthew Stafford's fault? No. But that congrats them for this win. Obviously, they're not making the playoffs. I don't know who would think they were, even though it's not Matthew Stafford's fault in any way. Congrats, Detroit. You deserve this win. But I also feel bad for Matthew Stafford. People that, well, why would you feel bad? Because now this gives Detroit more ammo to keep him instead of trade him because he's officially tradable in the 2021 offseason. And if I was Matthew Stafford, I would demand a trade. Because you know, they've already rebuilt you around every three to four years, if you do the math. Every three to four years in his starting career, sorry about that. Every three to four years in his starting in his starting career with the Lions, they rebuilt every three to four years, if you do the math. They've rebuilt not once, not twice, but three times. So while it's great for the win, it's bad for Matt Patricia. It's still, in my opinion, not great for Matthew Stafford and his future because I believe he does deserve some recognition. With that, without an offensive line, 400 yards, put some respect on Matthew Stafford's name. But Mr. Trubisky, you're a bust. And I'm sorry, but I don't see you making it in the NFL. And I would think, though, more so, John, and I've said this point, though, a couple times, is that um, basically when teams fire a coach, that first game is usually a win for that team because they're not having to play a system or play, you know, that coach's philosophy where the interim coach that says, play your game how you would play it. And I think we've seen that come to fruition several times. Plenty of comments, guys, about this disastrous game for the Chicago Bears. And they blow a massive lead, giving up 14 unanswered points in the final 218 to lose to Detroit today at home, 34-30. They give the Bears their sixth straight loss, which also, again, um, ties their longest uh, losing streak since 2002. But again, they played their home games at Illinois' football stadium away from Soldier Field. Uh, plenty of thoughts. Angel first says the Chicago Bad News Bears. Easy there for sure. Uh, Chardol, of course, he says, Cal, looks like I was right about those Lions beating Chicago today. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, and again, more so like I think John said, though, and that I think Matt Stafford, I think, though, guys, deserves a lot of credit, though, because I don't know if we've seen him really lead a game-winning drive, though, or lead a drive in the clutch because of Detroit's, you know, incompetence over the past several years, sadly. And also, Angel says what killed Chicago was Allen Robinson stepping out of bounds, thinking he had the first down. And, of course, David Montgomery was stuffed. at the uh, stuffed. I did bring that up as well, but he was stuffed, though on fourth and one to uh, all but end the ball game for Chicago and their hopes and dreams of snapping that six-game losing streak. Now, it goes to six games, I should say. 
Isaac also says, sorry, Cal, but hey, the Raiders and Niners, thank you for both Max Crosby and George Kittle, respectfully. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, if that includes you Venmoing me money for the holidays, I'll, I'll take it too. No, I will not. Uh, I, Angel also says thank you to the Lions. And also Isaac says that, the, that Isaiah should celebrate that the Niners stole Kittle via the Trubisky trade. And also, as well, Angel says, after the way that the Bears lost, would not be surprised if Nagy uh, gets canned before the end of the year. I think he's going to ride out the ship, sadly, and be a part of his ball club for the remainder of the season. Again, like I've said, though, I know that people don't want to blame ownership, but with how we have seen Mama Bear Hollis and her, sadly, her incompetence, and also with the family's incompetence, bringing in the wrong guys that don't fit the puzzle, it's inevitable that probably Nagy will stay longer than his uh, time in Chicago. And also, Christy Wilson says that Matt Nagy has to go, no doubt in my mind. If you folks check out my Twitter timeline today and you see Twitter <laughs> and all the retweets from Matt Forte, former Bears running back, and other uh, writers in Chicago, I think, guys, even Matt Forte said it best here, the Bears fire Lovey Smith after a 10-win season. And look what that's pretty much been ever since in a lot of people's minds. Also, Angel says that Cleo Mack is earning his money. Everyone thought that the Bears were back to it, uh, to the winning ways when they went 12 and 4 in 2018, but Nagy has no clue how to run the club. James also says, I understand though why the, the Bears traded for Foles, tried to catch lightning in a bottle and it didn't work. Time to clean house and move on in Chicago. Again, will the ownership actually do it, James? I say, no, it's not going to happen, sadly, anytime soon. Also, Angel says, had Megatron stayed and didn't retire the Lions. Would have been at best a wild card, maybe. Probably not, though. Mm, and also, not. Casey says it's confirmed Harbaugh to Chicago next year, possibly. We'll see. But give me Deshaun Watson, who the Bears play next Sunday at Soldier Field wearing their 1936 throwbacks. If they're going to trade him, I'd take him right away. Get him out of Houston and bring him into Chicago. But again, ownership actually do it? And more so is the question. Isaiah, back over to you to pile on. The Listen, I don't – about the Matt Nagy point, I think, Callan, that I think Matt Nagy is gone because you've heard rumors uh, the last couple of days about the Bears sniffing around potential head coaching candidates like Matt Campbell from Iowa State. And I think I even heard a report of, I believe, Pat Fitzgerald, the coach at Northwestern, uh, being – or the Bears being interested in him. So you've been starting to hear the rumors about the Bears sniffing around. And I think that's just – the Bears laying, laying the groundwork for a future coaching search. Um, and I about the Jim Harbaugh thing, I, I honestly don't see it because I think that Jim Harbaugh is uh, – I, I see him honestly going to either the Jets because, you know, the Jets are going to offer him everything that he wants. Uh, they're going to give him – give him a blank check. They're going to give him the head coaching job. They're going to give him the, uh, the the president of football operations job as well. Cause you know, if they fire Adam Gase, they've got to fire uh, Douglas as well, because that is Adam Gase's handpicked GM. So you're not going to get rid of the coach. If you're going to, if I mean, you're not going to get rid of the coach, if you're not getting rid of uh, Adam Gase's uh, handpicked GM. So I think uh, Harbaugh goes to the Jets cause he wants all that power and Callan, in terms of your Bears, I think Matt Campbell goes to your Bears. I think that makes a lot of sense. He's a young, up-and-coming coach. He's a guy that the NFL 
uh, has had lots of interest in the last couple of years. And just look at what he's done in Iowa State. He just led Iowa State to their first uh, Big 12 regular season title since 1912. So he's done a fabulous job there. I think that if he did get offered the Bears job, I think he would take it because like, of the history of the Bears, plus the fact that the Bears can offer him more than Iowa State can offer him. Very valid point, and again, we'll see how things go. But once more, I'll say it again, but is the ownership group going to be willing to actually do that, Isaiah? It sounds great in your world, but in my world, I know it's not going to happen. So we'll see what, in fact, Higher they do. Talent. Oh, hell no. No, you don't need <laughs> me out there on the sidelines. We'll see how things go at this rate. Uh, some other thoughts, guys, real quick about some of the potential coaching moves. Again, uh, Casey believes in Harbaugh going to Chicago. Angel about the Bears uniform selection. Cool. The Bears are going retro. Thank God it's not their orange Fanta uniforms. Hey, don't disrespect the Fanta orange. I like the orange. Yeah, those orange. are pretty ugly, though. Sorry. I mean, then They're again, not the better Bears, than my Broncos jersey, so let's not. Then again, the Bears have been around for 101 years. They've had some very weird looks throughout their franchise history. When you're one of the founding members of the NFL, you've been around for 101 years and you've seen. A lot of the photos of like the old wool jerseys and the leather helmets. There's been there's been a couple of good ones, but I I, I dig the 36 Bears look though, so I'm happy to see them rock never, that. Never disrespect Fanta. We might be naming our network to the the Fanta Sports Network. We've thrown that out there, by the way. You've already jinxed it. Stop it. Fanta plus, is the worst soda out there. Plus, and plus, Don't and plus, we can't call it FSN because of Fox Sports Networks, Isaiah. So no. See, all your brainy ideas always go right out the window every single time. Uh, James, though, guys, has one more uh, coach in mind. Benemy to Chicago. Get him and a quarterback, like he said a while back, and he may, in fact, work out. Uh, Isaac actually has a good one. Chuck Pagano could be next in line. We've seen him already, though, guys, coaching Indianapolis. We'll see how that works. He's back, though, working as the Bears' defensive coordinator. We'll see. Again, keyword there is we'll see how things go. But, again, we'll Upper brass. Will Mama, will, will Mama Bear Hollis actually do something? You know, will they actually do something? I do think, though, if Nagy goes, Brian Pace has to go as well. I do agree with Isaiah about that. Casey has Campbell going to Michigan once, in fact, uh, Harbaugh perhaps goes to Chicago. Uh, Christy also says, don't see Harbaugh going to the Jets uh, as the media would rip him to pieces as he already has been already at this rate. And Angel also uh, agrees, though, about Eric Benemy going to become an NFL coach. Isaac says the Bears orange is better than the Bucks orange, parentheses coming from a Packers fan. Uh, I personally thought that the cream skull look was actually cool for the era, but like never again with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, we're talking the 70s here, and, we're, and you're talking about exactly back to, you're talking about back to back 0 and 16 seasons too, as well uh, with the uh, Bucks that year with the cream skull look. And and also Angel says nothing against Fanta, but it's weird seeing the Bears in uniform other than blue. Again, I understand that, but with so many, you know, with how much money that they make though off jersey sales, you have to kind of have that alternate look. And, and I honestly, I don't think the orange gets enough love though in Chicago with the Bears. It's, it's always, I think it's always about the blue. Because for a while there, the Bears were blue and white before they actually went to added orange in. But because George Hollis, you know, the goat himself or Papa Bear himself was a Illinois alum, he chose to rep the colors of his alma mater, uh, blue and orange much like my hockey team in San Diego with the Padres once were in the 90s, you know, and of course the Mets are blue and orange as well. And also uh, plenty of soda talk here. Thanks a lot, Isaiah, about that. Uh, Julio says maybe 
Pat Fitzgerald goes to Chicago. Perhaps we'll see. And also, as well, uh, enough with the soda talk in the chat. But again, folks, it is the Bears once again imploding. 34-30 Detroit knocks off the Bears from a snowy Soldier Field in Chicago as the Bears lose their sixth straight ball game. That ties their longest losing streak since 2002. In perspective, I was in second grade. It's been a long time coming. Uh, with that, guys, you, you, you know we've been wanting to hear it all day, but thankfully, thanks to the Patriots, absolutely clobbering <laughs> this franchise. But the Chargers lose again. The Chargers lose again. 60 years of losing. The Chargers lose again. And it's their worst loss, folks, since 1973 when they were still in San Diego when they played the Falcons. The Chargers lose 45 to nothing to the Bill Belichick and Cam Newton-led New England Patriots from SoFi Stadium and an absolutely unbearable game for the Chargers as New England once again owns the Chargers again and Bill Belichick also improves his record against rookie quarterbacks. But not just that, though, guys. This was a total trip to the woodshed for the uh, Lightning Bolts today, but also the Patriots guys winning it on all sides of the ball, offense, defense, and you got to throw in special teams. A punt return for a touchdown and a field goal block at the end of the, of the first half of play. And just like that, though, it's blocked and returned for a touchdown of the Chargers, also missing field goals as usual. Isaiah, forget about the Bears losing. The Chargers suffer their worst loss being shut out since they were still in San Diego against Atlanta in 1973. Again, they lose 45-0 to the uh, Cam Newton-led Patriots. Isaiah, my goodness, man, what a way for the Chargers to go down in utter flames today in L.A. Isaiah, you're muted, buddy. I think that Anthony Lynn just cost himself a head coaching job with this performance. This was an utter disgrace by the Los Angeles Chargers. If you look at the score, right, if you just look at the score, you would see it's 45 to nothing. So you probably would think that, oh, the Patriots, you know, with their woeful offense, they probably put up a lot of yards, you know, they probably threw for over 300 and ran for another 200 and had a lot of touchdowns. But this is what happened to this game. Cam Newton had only 69 yards passing. He was 12 of 19 for 69 yards. Jared Stidham came in, was 2 of 3 for 61 yards and a touchdown. Cam Newton also had a passing touchdown as well. Uh, the Patriots had a total of 128 passing yards in this football game. They did ran the ball, however, very good. Uh, Damian Harris, 16 carries, 80 yards. Uh, Cam Newton, 14 carries, 48 yards, two touchdowns. Sony Michelle, 10 carries and 35 yards. But the the reason why the Chargers lose has nothing to do with the Patriots' offense. The Patriots' offense is still awful. The Reason why the Chargers got blown out in this game was because the Chargers kept shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, they had a punt return for a touchdown. Uh, they had a field goal block. Callan, I believe that field goal field goal was also blocked for a touchdown as well. Correct me if I'm wrong. That is correct. Yes, they had a field goal block for a touchdown. They had a punt return for a touchdown. Uh, that's 14 points right there. Then Justin Herbert throws two interceptions, and then. You know, the Patriots, as I mentioned, with the two touchdowns from Cam Newton, this was just the 
Chargers shooting themselves in the foot. The Chargers basically gave away this football game. The Patriots, their offense wasn't spectacular. They just won it because the Chargers kept turning the football over. You know, I think, John, that's probably a fair observation because more so, you know, we've seen Cam Newton, I think, really, you know, digress over the season. But more so, forget offense and defense. Special teams, I think, won this game for New England because, I mean, you had a blocked field goal return for a touchdown at the halftime buzzer, ran all the way back for a touchdown. You had the uh, punt return as well for a touchdown. And he had, a, you know, two other great punt returns that set up touchdown drives for New England. And it was all New England all day. And the Chargers had absolutely no chance to win this ball game with how they, of course, played. But more so that, again, special teams more so continues to be a thorn in the side of the lightning bolts in L.A. But, John, any thoughts about the Pats absolutely shellacking and mulling the hapless Chargers on Sunday? Anthony Lynn should be fired right now. So should Nagy. I well, more so Lynn. I mean, both of them, yes, but most, but more on Lynn's side because forty-five to zero. I want to call out fake Patriot fans, Isaiah. You in the group chat can't find that little thing, but you were talking about how Bill Belichick's too old. He's a fraud or shouldn't be a coach to get in the NFL. Well, how does Bill Belichick look like? Two games out of first place in the AFC East with two to three of your star defensive players opting out. Because of COVID. Cam Newton, each quarterback was averaging 65, 64 yards passing if you average basic division. Bill Belichick won this game. There's no reason without a quarterback. I said, don't doubt Bill Belichick even after this year. You have the weapons. I'm so glad I traded Keenan Allen. Thank you. But the fact of the matter is right now, Anthony Lynch should have Stopped being a coach years ago for the Chargers. He's never been a great head coach. He's always had the pieces around him, and they could not finish the job. The Chargers, last time they've done something, January 15, 2007, and they lost in the – I believe it was 2007, correct me if I'm wrong, when they lost in the AC Championship game against the Patriots. I don't know if it's 2007 or 2008, correct me if I'm wrong. 2007, because uh, Rivers played with two torn ACLs and LT sat on the bench with his helmet on because of a growing strain. Exactly. So they lost. So obviously that wasn't him then. But in fact, everybody in GM, all the staff should be gone. You don't even score a field goal. Justin Herbert, who I still said, despite how he has played well this year, I said his decision-making from college was a concern and has showed up in the NFL today. You obviously got him not because you were a playoff team. You were never, I said, they were never a playoff team. They were a fraudulent team. But the fact of the matter is, Bill Belichick, for all you fake New England Patriot fans or Belichick doubters, Isaiah, if Bill Belichick had a Instagram and Twitter right now, I would find that comment and tag him in. Because here's the thing it's not about having the best players or what having the best guys on paper. Because like you see, Cam Newton was never going to be the guy. Garrett Stenham was never going to be the guy. But this is just a short-term answer. Let's say they have a winning record. Let's say they go 8-8 eight and eight or, or better. All your fans, fans that are down Bill Belichick, you better be apologizing to him. Because I said it was 50% Bill Belichick and 50% Tom Brady. For the success. Some people say it was all Brady. 
billion people on Fox Sports that said that. But what does it look like now? The fact of the matter is, special teams, like you said, even the running backs necessarily weren't getting it done on the ground, which is what's been one of the biggest factors for the Patriots. The running backs play on all four fronts. Offense was terrible. Special teams and defense. That's also because of the coaching of the New England Patriots. Being able to coach them despite losing two to three of your starters. Two games out of first place. I believe winning two of the last three games or three of the last four to potentially get a wild card spot. Let's say at best they get the wild card spot. Even if they lose, that's a great season. That's the same result as last year with less help. Who do they have at the receiver position? I'm sorry, but I think we're, we could potentially have conversations about Nikita Harry being a potential bust. He just can't stay healthy or be consistent. I think he could be a good receiver in the NFL, but it's like a Calvin Ridley minus the, minus the talent or the speed. I'm sorry. He just doesn't have it to get it done. Cam Noon, I said if he improved as a passer, he's a top-five quarterback, but he's never improved or been a good passer in the NFL, folks. Even his MVP year completed less than 60% of his passes with QBR being no higher than 91.5. So at some point, Cam Newton's not a bust, but he's not a quarterback in the NFL. This is the problem. Quarterbacks have to be a passer. Your whole bread and butter as a quarterback cannot be running the football. That's why Colin Kaepernick did last. An amazing runner, but couldn't complete more than 59% of his passes with so many different receivers. Same thing with Lamar. Hasn't improved as a passer. It's not about being the sexiest quarterback. It's about getting the job done. It's Bill Belichick. Isaiah and all you fake Patriot fans, what do you have to say now? 45 points with an offense has no receiving weapons. Again, folks, 45 nothing. The Pats wallop the Chargers. Again, that is the Chargers' worst loss when being shut out. Since 1973 versus Atlanta, when that last happened, of course, they were in San Diego. Some thoughts here about this ball game, guys. Christy Wilson first writes in, the Patriots completely spanked the Chargers. James says, Callan, my favorite song. Shout out to the Pats uh, making San Diego smile again. Uh, with, of course, the Chargers lose again theme song here on the network. Angel said, since when did Tom Brady come back to the Patriots? <laughs> Pretty good one right there. Uh, Chris, though, does write it. I do feel bad for Justin Herbert, though. I mean, I, I don't. I, I want to, but he plays for a team I despise more than I hate the Dodgers and L.A. Kings, so I really can't uh, right now or at this rate do that. Uh, Casey King writes in saying, the renters really, really, like, really look like a bunch of Higgins out there, Isaiah. Today, and they need to pay the rent and get the hell out of L.A. and go elsewhere. Back to San Diego. They spanked the L.A. out of them, and now they're back in San Diego. Quite literally. It's it's the Batman slapping Robin meme is what that was today. <laughs> uh, what else we got Gosh. here? Uh, Angel says, remember San Diego, when the Chargers lose, you win. You win. Yep. What do we win? Uh, tacos? Do we win? No, we win when the Chargers lose. No, when the well, but then again, when the charters lose, you get to hear the charters lose again on the network. It's about sure. like an offer you. Uh, Christy Wilson says, "Jim Harbaugh to the Chargers? No. Yes, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. I'm out. Let's go, do it. With how bad the Bears organization is, Christy, the S words that own the Chargers. I don't even want to say their name, even though I did. But that family is just as worse, if not worse, or the worst." 
family that runs a, f- a franchise in the NFL, in my mind. And also, Casey says, I'm telling you right now that Herbert will uh, bail once his contract ends. And knowing Dean Spanos, he will be stupid enough to hire Adam Gase next season. Do it. That's do a, it. That's a typical. Please, that right please, there. Please, please. That right please, there, please, folks, please, is please, a is please. the Chargers to a T right there with that move. And also, James please. says, imagine if Brady led this offense, it would have been 59-0. Even then, they still wouldn't score the most points in NFL history. The Bears own that record, scoring 73 on the Washington football team back in 1940. So even then, still not close to the Bears in 1940. Also, James says that Anthony Lynn has got to go, but maybe nothing will work for uh, that other team in Los Angeles. Definitely agree. And also, uh, Isaac says, stunned that the Chargers have not won at least one Super Bowl with all that talent since 06. Not this version, by the way. I'm not. It's Philip Rivers, fraudulent Hall of Famer. I've said that for many years. Then again, uh, remember, Isaac, this is the same franchise that fired Marty Schottenheimer after a 14-2 and season and a playoff loss to that same Pats team at Qualcomm Stadium. Also, Angel says, just like in 96 when the Pats blew up the Chargers on SNF, 45-7. This was a 45-0 game. Also, James says the Pats, again, in a roller coaster season, so up and down, but this game was the peak of the season for the Pats in his mind. Also, as well, James adds on, Keenan Allen looked so frustrated today when Herbert didn't give, uh, didn't, uh, did not give him the ball. Maybe Allen request a trade in the offseason. We, we'd take him in Chicago. Uh, we can use some more offense. Do it. Do it. Demand the trade. Let's go. Also, Angel says, had Rivers and LT stayed healthy, but Chargers could have beaten the Pats in 07. Uh, mm-hmm. perhaps beating mm-hmm. Green Bay or mm-hmm. New York. No way. Uh, there's no way no, there was, no. they would have beaten. Um, there, there's no way there was, that they would have beaten uh, the Giants or the or the Packers, in my mind, with that ball club anyway. James also says, I always respected uh, Belichick and how prepared he had his players coming into the games. Uh, again, there's probably no better coach that is more prepared for games than Bill Belichick, whether you love the guy or hate the guy regardless. And also as well, uh, Angel also says Pats have a three-game win streak, but still two games back of Indy, too little, too late perhaps in his mind. So we'll see how things go. Uh, Dr. Ted Vicky is in. He says that there's no stadium here. That is true. There is no stadium right now to play games here anyway. So that's why the uh, Niners are not playing in San Diego, in case you folks are wondering. And he also says Harbaugh to Tampa Bay. I dig that, actually. No. I no. dig that. You already had issues with Bruce Harbaugh, could he – if he can't even coach Michigan to beat Ohio State, what makes you think he can go and coach a personality like Tom Brady? I'm, I, I'm going to have to respectfully disagree on that one. We'll see. I, I think that could probably work out, though, because they both even each other out. This isn't Belichick and Brady. It's certainly not Arians and uh, Brady either. They could probably balance each other out with how they are, in my mind. And also, as well, uh, Angel says the Pats would have scored 83 uh, if they had played, if they still had Brady. Uh Maybe. Again, who knows? We'll see how things go. Uh, My man, Drew Galliard, writes in from Colorado. He says, Cal, miss you, my guy, but Charters had an off day of the day and honestly should have beaten my Bucks weeks ago as well. Maybe they could have as well. And then also Angel says that A.J. Smith killed the Chargers. Uh, What would have been their dynasty? They could have been to two and maybe have won one, perhaps. And who knows how things would have happened. Drew also says that Harbaugh... Uh, is a has-been, or that was Isaac saying that uh, he's been a has-been, and Drew is on board for uh, Harbaugh to mm-hmm. Tampa Bay no. uh, because Brady hates uh, hates the deep ball, and Arians and Brady have clashed plenty of times at this rate. 
and also that uh, Chardol thinks that Harbaugh is going to San Francisco. No chance in hell, my man. You've got Kyle Shanahan coaching that ball club. No way that he's going to go to San Francisco. Isaiah, we'll let you clean up the mess here. You have got to be kidding me, right, Chardo? I mean, Chardo, I love you, but listen, Harbaugh, that's in the past, man. You got to let go of that. He is not coming back to the 49ers. Uh, we have a guy in Kyle Shanahan right now who just took us to the Super Bowl last season, and this year he might take us to the uh, NFC playoffs despite the fact that we're so injury-riddled. He is one of the best coaches in the NFL, and there, there's no way, absolutely no way, that you are gonna get rid of a guy in Jim Harb, uh, get rid of a guy in Shanahan, who is one of the top five coaches in the NFL, and go for Jim Harbaugh. No way, no chance. Drew also just chimes just in. Drew Drew does chime in. He's like, "Why not about Harbaugh? I just want to make the postseason in general." Again, the Bucks right now having one of the other long playoff droughts right now. In NFL history, but nonetheless, though the Pats again spanked the Chargers 45-0 from SoFi Stadium. Next game, guys. We are though running uh, we're not really running out of time, but it is getting close to the midnight hour here on this Sunday. Uh, the Rams and Cardinals from State Farm Stadium. The Rams win their seventh straight ball game over Arizona and once again take first place in a very fun to watch NFC West Division 38-28 LA over Arizona from State Farm Stadium. Uh, Isaiah, the seesaw battle that has been uh, right now in the NFC West between the Rams and the Seahawks and the Niners and the Cardinals have been, like I said, though, very fun to watch throughout the course of the season. Uh, Isaiah, uh, if you can keep it brief, man, because we have a lot more to get to as uh, the time does move on or time does run away from us here. But uh, Isaiah, your uh, thoughts on this game is the Rams win the ball game 38-20 over Arizona from State Farm Stadium tonight in Glendale. Yeah, I'll just keep it simple. Uh, the Rams, this was about the Rams' domination in the trenches. The offensive line dominated the Cardinals' defensive line. Uh, they protected Jared Goff very well. They ran the football very well. They opened a lot of gaping holes for Cam Akers to run wild in this football game, as well as Daryl Henderson. And on the defensive line side, they just mauled Kyler Murray. They made Kyler Murray uncomfortable all day long. I think they had like four sacks against the Cardinals. This game was about the Rams' offensive line line and defensive line shaking off what was a bad performance last week against the Niners and getting redemption and having a fantastic performance today against the Cardinals. John, where do you stand on this ball game? You know, more so we were more so I had talked a lot though about uh, the Rams having offensive failure last week and it kind of in a way last week's game against San Francisco reminded me a lot of that game versus Miami where it was self-inflicted mistakes, turnovers, you know, special teams blunders that really, you know, obviously let this game go away from them. But of course, they, you know, uh, patch up those holes, tighten the screws, and win the ball game. John, any brief comments here about uh, how, in fact, the Rams looked in this ball game? I could say potentially I was wrong about them being the LA frauds. Number two, they wanted it more than the Cardinals, and we could have potential conversations about. Cliff Kingsbury be on the hot seat in 2021, if not being fired in 2021. Because this, there's absolutely no excuse, but this still has issues. Offense line's a problem. Defense is an issue. There's just so much to address. They didn't want it. They didn't want it off. Because you have to win. Do I see them still making the plus? Yes. But this is more of a positive light of the Rams than the Cardinals. Because I've been down in the Rams all year 
I said they were going to miss the playoffs, and I was wrong. There's no doubt. The Rams wanted it more, and it shows. And also, I think that the Cardinals and also that Kyler Murray, I, I think guys, that Murray is playing with some kind of an injury, and he hasn't said a word about it because he, he looks very uncomfortable when the pressure does come in certain situations. I know we had a, maybe a bit of a shoulder issue last week or two weeks ago, but that may be still kind of in a way holding him back. So we'll see how things work, though. But again, a very so this is a very fun you know division to watch, though, nonetheless, in the uh, NFC West. Some thoughts real quick. Um, Drew is back. He says the Rams equal overrated. Angel says redemption for Goff. James with the best one, though. The wild, wild west changes every week right now. Fun to watch with this division. Drew says, don't get me wrong. The Cardinals are mad, but the Rams aren't superior and won't win any postseason games. But then again, this is coming from a Tampa Bay fan. So what the hell do I know? Laughing face emoji. Also, Angel says, I think the Rams will beat the Pats on Thursday. But the way the Pats blew up that other team, if, uh, if I'm the Rams, I'd be worried. Eh. Perhaps again, it's a, but more so it's one of those things that like we say in baseball, Isaiah, save your runs for the next get, you know, next game, because sometimes when you have that big outburst, it usually doesn't uh, translate to the next game. Also, Casey says, how about my Rams? And they own the Cardinals and uh, uh, Kingsbury is definitely a fraud as a head coach. And he is one that will hold Arizona back. He was a bad college coach and uh, best is a offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. Nice win by the Rams today. And also, Angel says, seven straight wins for the Rams over the Cardinals in the former St. Louis NFL franchise bowl game. That happens twice every year. And with that, guys, we have one more game to get to. We have one story to get to as well before we, in fact, move on to the uh, fun part of our program here as we approach the midnight hour here on this Sunday into Monday morning. Uh, with that, though, it is the uh, game uh, guys, I was on SNF on NBC and the Chiefs in a squeaker, quite literally, win the game over the Broncos today, 22-16 from Arrowhead in a game that the Chiefs just really, I think, beat themselves the more so than they actually won the game because of many, many failed and feebled drives into the uh, red zone where, again, we had a lot of drop balls and trick plays that did not work, though, but the uh, Chiefs still win the game and still uh, maintain a stranglehold on first place and also clinch a playoff berth. With that win tonight, Isaiah, again, brief comments. So give us your thoughts as, once again, your beloved Drew Locke and Broncos lose again. Oh, uh, well, first of all, let me say this. Nick Mullins is a better quarterback than Drew Locke. Nick Mullins is more clutch than Drew Locke. And Nick Mullins was there. The, uh, the Broncos would have won that game in the final possession. All right? Just had to get that out there. Secondly, the Denver Broncos – I was very impressed by Vic Fangio and that defense. You know, that defense held this Kansas City Chiefs uh, high-powered offense to just 22 points. They had, like, I believe five or six times in the red zone where they just kept uh, holding the Chiefs out of the end zone and kept forcing the Kansas City Chiefs to kick field goals. And that's what you got to do if you want to beat the Chiefs. You can't let them score touchdowns. You know, we know they're going to drive the ball down the field. But you have to be able to play – Bend, but don't break defense. And that's what the Denver Broncos did today. But unfortunately, their offense, which showed up actually for the most part in this game, they were running roughshod on the uh, Kansas City Chief defense. The play that really killed the Broncos was third and two at the Denver 49 when they were down 19-16. Drew Locke fires a pass uh, to K.J. Hamler, and he mishandles it. It's incomplete. And Vic Fangio, I believe in that situation, you have to go for it because it's fourth and two. You're at uh, you're at your own 49 yard line with 
under four minutes to, or under five minutes to go in the ball game. You got to take risk in that situation, uh, and you got to go for it. And Big Fangio did it, and that cost the Broncos uh, a chance to win that football game. John, you know, I think that Denver probably they look good in spurts, though. And Melvin Gordon, I think, probably had one of his better games of the year, though. But sadly. You know, mistakes by both ball clubs. You know, very boring game, I'd say, though, too, again, where you have, you know, a very high-octane KC offense who's able to score points on you in quick spurts or at a high pace, though. But Denver's defense, I think, though, bent but didn't break today. Yeah, they had a couple of, you know, one touchdown, two touchdowns given up. But that they did a better job, or they did, I think they did a phenomenal job, uh, John, in the red zone, keeping the, uh, the the Chiefs out of the end zone for majority of the ball game until, of course, the levy sadly broke, though. But, uh, John, uh, final observations as the Broncos lose in KC to the Chiefs 22-16 on NBC. This confirms Drew Locke is still not the guy. He still had an interception, still had, I believe, more than one turnover on the day. You weren't going to lose. Or, sorry, you weren't going to win against Patrick Mahomes. There's absolutely no reason why... Any, why Anybody would have thought that the Denver were going to win this game. I love my team, but there are so many issues. John, Isaiah picked them to win in our MI6 Sports Network. Uh, picks can pick them. And as much as I love that pick because I'm a Broncos fan, I'm biased. Drew Locke isn't the guy. And I've talked about this with a lot of guys behind the scenes that work in the sports world. It's one of those things where his mobility is a question. The Broncos will make the playoffs like the 49 as well. Oh, sorry, I said, was that too soon? But the fact of the matter is, it's Kansas City. It's Patrick Mahomes. I'm not convinced of Vic Fangio after he didn't use his timeouts weeks and weeks ago. And it was down to 20, 30 seconds left in the game. I have no faith in Vic Fangio as a head coach. There's still so many things. We don't have a quarterback. Vic Fangio just doesn't have that, that spark, that if actually to be the coach. You're going to keep your two running backs. I'm not surprised Denver lost this game. And Isaiah, this is a reason why you don't overreact after one quarter. In the group chat, oh, my gosh, Denver is up 3-0. to zero. What are they doing? As much as I love that the Chiefs lost, believe me, I would have been happy. But you, as citizen the group call, jinxed it. Now, are they going to win? No, my Broncos are going to lose either way. Do, do I root for them and hope they would win? Heck yes, every single game. Because that's what I do. But I'm not going to say they're going to make the playoffs and then Drew Locke's going to have this resurgence. I don't think Drew Locke is the problem. But the fact of the matter is they don't have two to three years to wait. Because the Raiders have their guy. The Chiefs have their guy. The Chargers have their guy. They don't. I'm not saying that Drew Lock couldn't be the guy. We don't have three to four years to wait. This isn't 2016. This is 2017 or 2018 or part of last year. I'm sorry. It's not. It's done with Lock. We don't have a coach. And Isaiah, I need you to stop jinxing my football team. Why don't you start doing that with the Chiefs and the Raiders? Because last time I checked, you said you didn't fear Patrick Mahomes. That's it. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> that is how things are going for Isaiah Leung at this rate. 
Uh, guys, plenty of thoughts about this. Uh, Drew, who lives in Denver, says, oh, Denver, just a big, well, you know the rest. Uh, Drew also says that Tampa turned it on late against KC last week and the Chiefs played bad. Denver did tune, uh, did, uh, tune into that and played up to KC. More worried about KC in that situation, uh, fair observation for sure. Also, Drew adds on that Fangio needs to go and get out of Denver regardless of who the quarterback is. Drew Locke, in his mind, is not the problem. He can be successful mm -hmm. with the right talent and coaching. Hall of Famer, probably no, but winning some games, yes. Uh, Casey also does write in, didn't see the game as I was watching the Trojans uh, beat Washington State. Only saw highlights, and Drew Locke is another Higgins, Isaiah. The Broncos need a quarterback in a, and also some house cleaning as well. And also, Drew says, sorry, but Denver is not making the postseason, laughing out loud. I, I knew that. Okay, Drew, I've known that since – <laughs> I, you're not breaking my heart. I've known that for a couple of weeks and no, I hate no, to say no, this. No, 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 now here's the difference here. Now here's the difference. John and I are realistic about our ball clubs. I know that the bears suck and he knows that the Broncos suck. The guy below us though, can, can't accept the fact that the Niners and Broncos are not going to make the postseason. And also James says, Isaiah, why did you pick Denver for tonight? I only picked Denver I, just because I'm a biased fan, even though I know the result of the game. That's just, I'll admit that 100%. But um, I hate Just to say this. Me picking Chicago to beat Detroit I, today. I hate to say this, but I think John Elway is part of the problem. I think if there's a way for him to go. he And I hate to say this because you had the years of pain in the, that playoff win against the Steelers with Tim Tebow. But he can't evaluate talent. And on top of that, Von Miller is a free agent. Justin Simmons is a free agent. That franchise tag. So there's too many questions. What do you do with Philip Lindsay? One more year left in his deal next year. There's too many courses. I think John Elway has to go. and But it's not going to happen, and people probably don't want to hear it. Isaiah, face the music. Why did you pick Denver tonight? Well, like you and John, I picked with no, my No, heart. your team's a 49ers. No, don't you dare. You have that San Francisco flag on the ground. I was the one that said that pick foolishly picked before the season that caused Callan to walk off the set and not come back for like 10 minutes and John to, you know, choke on cake that the Broncos would win the AFC West. Ever since that, I have retracted my prediction, uh, even though Callan and John and the rest of the guys in the MI6 Sports Network, they don't let me, but still – um, no, I, had to, I picked Denver because Denver had to win to have any hope of somehow, some way, miraculously winning the AFC West. Plus, you know, I'm a huge fan of Vic Fangio, so I, I, that's kind of why I just picked him. I, I just picked him because I was biased. You're not biased because your team's the 49ers. You have that flag up there. I'll admit, I had a bad take. I said, do you like his potentially the future quarterback? That was, that was way off. But at least I can own up to the music and not make any excuses to say, oh, man, I was I like Patrick Mahomes. I like the Chiefs. No. I was wrong about my Broncos, and I was wrong about Drew Locke. I was wrong about this entire season. Do I still love my team? Yes, but I'm not going to make excuses for them. Mr. Isaiah, why don't you get some of those T. Higgins diapers and just, well, you know what they do with those diapers. <laughs> Can wipe, you, can wipe, you can wipe your 49ers season away with those T. Higgins diapers because that's all you're going to be doing. You'll be, we'll you'll be scooping happens. brownies. You'll be scooping fudge brownies. I'll say it like that because we don't use the other words on air. Uh, some more thoughts, guys, real quick. Angel says uh, that he was busy watching the WWE NXT TakeOver. Only saw the final five minutes of the Denver KC game. 
Uh, Drew agrees with John. He says, Ellie needs to go. I agree. The Broncos have some audible external issues with ownership, and it's the outside noise that hurts them internally. Not good when ownership is clashing with people uh, inside or outside of the franchise. Now, guys, with that, we have one new story here. I think it's very ridiculous so we have even that we have to talk about this again, but it is, folks, official for Floyd Money Mayweather. It is Floyd fighting Logan Paul, February 20th, in another no-value-added Floyd Money Mayweather money grab of a boxing match coming up in about a couple of months more so. Uh, the fellas, I share their sentiments here with the face palm going on. Now, guys, this again is coming on the heels, though, of the other feeble boxing card involving uh, Logan's brother, Jake, knocking out former NBA player and NBA champion, for that matter, Nate Robinson, clean out in a fight just about a week or so ago. And, of course, Iron Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr., also having their eight-round match go to a draw. And also, guys, some other reports saying Evander Holyfield wants into the act of fighting Roy or Mike Tyson. And at the same time as well, fellas, we're talking about a YouTuber fighting probably the greatest boxer of our generation, who, again, is out there for a money grab. Isaiah, over to you. You're going to pick Logan Paul, aren't you? Just before I get to that, just why... Why? Why? I mean, we've discussed this before on No BS when the rumors came out that these two were finalizing a deal, and we were just like, "Come on, man! Are you are you freaking serious, Floyd Money Mayweather? This is like you said, Calvin. This is a money grab for Floyd Money Mayweather. Floyd Money Mayweather is not interested in real boxing anymore. He's just interested in the money. Uh, you know this." fight is not going to go well for Logan Paul. He's going to get destroyed. Uh, that's right. I said it. Logan Paul, for all you Logan Paul fanboys out there, he is going to get destroyed in this fight. I will be stunned if Logan Paul even makes it out of the first round. That's how um, badly, badly I see this fight going. Isaiah, but, uh, get your boy Chardol, please. Chardol. I like you, man, and I'm looking out for you. Whatever you do, do not go to Vegas and bet money on this fight. Do not, please. I, I'm trying to spare you, my man, because you're going to lose a lot of money if you decide to put money on Logan Paul to beat Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather is one of the best boxers of all time. You're going up against a YouTuber. This is just this is like a fight that is clearly the advantage of Floyd Money Mayweather. He's going to knock Logan Paul out, I believe, in the first round. And, um, you know, let me just say this. Floyd Mayweather, I believe that for the younger generation, I know the older generation is going to view him as, like, you know, the best boxer of all time and the guy that really did a lot of good stuff. But I think for the younger generation, I think what Floyd has been doing the last few years, you know, fighting uh, Conor McGregor, fighting uh, Tenshin Natsukawa, the Japanese yeah, kickboxer, and now fighting Logan Paul. I believe this is hurting his legacy in, in front of the younger audience because the younger audience don't really remember what Floyd did uh, in the boxing ring when he was like a professional boxer. They all just remember what Floyd's done in the last few years. And what has he done in the last few years? Fight uh, a UFC star. Fight a Japanese kickboxer without kicking. Fight logan paul a youtuber so i just think that this is destroying the legacy of floyd mayweather when it comes to the younger generation and my advice to floyd will be floyd if you really want to get back into boxing fight real boxers go fight canelo alvarez go fight manny pacquiao go fight uh terrence 
who fight Errol Spence Jr., who just won his fight on Saturday. Fight one of those guys that you actually really want to get like like $100 million or more and have a real fight instead of these like YouTubers, MMA guys, and kickboxers. It's just ridiculous. John, boxing's legacy, though, I think has been stained on the male side. And I said this when we talked about this fight uh, when it was in the rumor mill on No BS uh, several uh you know, several months ago, and I recall saying that, you know, boxing's legacy has been dying, and it's been a very slow and painful death for, like, top rank and uh, all these other, uh, you know, boxing federations and boxing, uh, and boxing in general more so. We're now, though, you know, maybe the male side has been crumpling. Like I said, though, maybe a, you know, hot take, though, but that the women's side, though, I think has more notable stars that have been climbing the ranks recently. Uh, on their side of things. But John, this I think just adds more, you know, buffoonery and more nonsense to what has already been, you know, what boxing has not been though. And now we're seeing, you know, McGregor fighting Mayweather. We've seen, you know, a very terrible match between Logan Paul's brother, Jake, and again, a former NBA player, Nate Robinson. But also, I mean, we did get to see, you know, Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson, two of the best at their prime back in the day. But that more so, John, Boxing is not the same, you know, and I, you know, don't remember the glory days of Tyson's dominance or Ali back in the early 50s and 60s or Joe Lewis and those guys. But, you know, you watch fights on YouTube or you watch 30 for 30s on ESPN Plus. John, what really, though, does this probably do more so than give Floyd Mayweather one more fat check for fighting someone that's not even an actual boxer? You, Both of you just answered your own question. It's only for the money. That's why he's not fighting all these other fighters that are up there that have been doing it for many, many years at a time. There's no doubt. He said it's just for the money. That's why he's fighting a YouTuber. He's going to get all the clouds, going to get more followers, more money. It's great for business. That's the only reason why he's doing it. So why would he pick somebody else that has probably maybe a little bit more better than him because it's been a while since he fought somebody? But it's for the money. That's why he's doing it. I guarantee you, it could be another YouTuber somebody in the next couple of years. Only because of money, why he's fighting Logan Paul. With that, guys, plenty of commentary about this, you know, utter disgrace that is this fight between Mayweather and also uh, Logan Paul, guys. Uh, go Mayweather from my man Drew up in Denver. James also says, I thought the fight announcement was a joke. Uh, apparently not. If Floyd's confirming this thing, it's actually happening. I mean, this didn't come from a third party source. This came directly from Floyd Money, uh, Floyd Money Mayweather's uh, Instagram account today. Drew says, stoke for this. Go Floyd. Angel says, Mayweather in 10 seconds. Drew says, less than 10 seconds with his thoughts. James writes in, Literally stop the fight when it comes to all these fantasy matches. I agree. I mean, we are literally talking about, you know, a reality, you know, YouTuber who, again, vlogs about their everyday life and has had issues off, you know, away from YouTube with, again, police and law enforcement. Of course, we know about Floyd. But even though it's two guys with a lot of baggage that really who's going to pay the five dollars to you know, the five bucks or the 150 to watch the fight again. Chardot, for some reason, is picking Logan Paul to somehow beat the best boxer of our time in Floyd Money Mayweather. Drew says, man, he he's not even going to get out of the locker room <laughs> at this rate. 
And also Angel says, thank God I get the fight for free. Also, Drew says that Paul will fake an injury before the fight. That's the bet you should make in Vegas. The fight won't happen. I agree more so. Uh, uh, also, Isaiah Chardell wanted to counter you. He says he is going to go to Vegas and put money down on Paul to win this match. And also, Angel says, why? Uh, why not Pat McAfee? He's now a pro wrestler like Rob Gronkowski. I guess he <laughs> an appearance at the NXT TakeOver. On or Rob and Pac in the ring. What about Rob Gronkowski and Pat McAfee? That would be interesting. That would be a hell of a tag team. Former punter and, uh, you know, the tight end with the Bucks. And also, don't forget, though, guys, that Floyd res wrestled the big show at WrestleMania 24 in Florida back in 2007. And also, as well, uh, Casey, I agree. I stopped watching boxing in the early 2000s. It's gone downhill ever since. Angel says that boxing has not been the same since Tyson, Lewis, Holyfield, and uh, Chavez stopped uh, boxing full-time and since UFC took over Vegas. Absolutely. And also, uh, Isaiah says next fight is going to be him versus me. Callan. You really want this mess, man, from a six, you know, a six five one fifty walking, talking stick? Isaiah, you drink pina coladas and McDonald's coffee. How are you going to beat Callan in a fight? Go use those Tegan diapers and wipe your fudge brownies from, from that fight. There's no way. Isaiah, no, no. First of all, you're already on mute, so we can't hear a thing you're saying. He's gonna. He's gonna. He already said this. He's going to do Floyd's strategy of running around the ring for three minutes and just run the whole time. But even if that's the case, he'll just punch you really hard in the mouth right here, and you'll have almost no teeth. One route: Callan has to be blindfolded for the first minute. No, that is not happening. He will still beat you. No, nor is that fight happening either. And also, Drew says, don't get me wrong, please. The whole fight is a joke and a money grab. I just can't see it actually happening. And Drew says, if McAfee fought, he would actually put money on McAfee. If, in fact, he... I would. Uh, maybe. I, I would probably have to do, like, maybe, like, more on the actual guy with experience, more so than the actual NFL punter. Angel says, the greatest boxing match to happen since Homer fought Tatum in an episode of The Simpsons. I will admit... <laughs> It's, to me, it, to me, it's got to be Carol Channing and Family Guy knocking out Mike Tyson, and Peter Griffin fighting the chicken because of the expired coupon over three <laughs> different Family Guy episodes. Also, as well, uh, Drew says uh, epic, and also Chardol wants to challenge Isaiah, and he will beat the crap out of Leon. Lose, <laughs> <laughs> and I am a freaking beast at boxing. Good grief. Why does all this have to happen in the group chat right now? Isaiah, back over to you. Chardot, about your comment about going to Vegas to bet on Logan Paul, you're better off saying just giving me $1,000 instead of going to Vegas and betting that fight. That, because at least that's going to Pina Colada versus your debt. I mean, I'm Pina Colada debt or I mean, money it, debt. And at the same time, that $1,000 check or that $1,000 bet that Chardot would put down – could actually like fund the network for like a good year maybe and that yeah. would give us partial salary right there and also uh some more thoughts real quick uh what else do we have here um not much not much else um james does right and say paul and mayweather should have a reading match at a library and logan would win it may have to be like a two out of three falls mentioned pro wrestling angel says he also misses boxing video games and he also says that uh, drew says Peter versus the chicken is a stalemate because I think they've won like one fight each basically at this rate. And he says he's ready for round four 
of the Peter Griffin match. Uh, with the chicken and Julio agrees that Mayweather will win easily. And also Drew says, headed out for the night. Great show. Talk to y'all soon. Again, Drew and I were, uh, Drew and I, uh, great friends. Drew and I worked together here in San Diego for a bit when he first came here from Colorado to help work out or help work with, uh, the San Diego goals of the AHL. And, uh, we're also good broadcasting friends as well. With that, guys, we'll now, uh, wrap things up finally and get into the networks. Long-awaited bloopers of the week. And, of course, folks, there's still time to get those votes in for you. Uh, if you're still trying to vote and pick uh, who's going to win in the ongoing um, uh, bracket challenge, again, Shri or John and myself will move on. But first up, though, guys, we, added, uh, we have four of them tonight, in case you're curious. First up, guys, what did I just eat? That has got to be the worst feeling ever, right, John? First of all, this is the problem with gaming. If you're going to eat something, always, I don't care. If I know it's a live game. Always exit out of it or pause it if you can. Because what if it was something else? What if it was an actual prank and it was something, lack of a better word, much worse? Bro, I don't know what. I can't imagine how long it would take to get the that taste out of your mouth. Yeah. Dear gosh, this guy is... Oh, my I, goodness. I, I can't explain it. I have no words. James is asking, lotion? No, I think that was shaving cream, Isaiah. What was that? I think that was even... I think that was foot cream. Ooh. Either way, though, that, that's probably a long trip to the restroom in a... Plenty of Higgins diapers right there. But you can here. tell if it smells funny. Like you, when you eat something, you, you can smell think, it. Right? You would think. And uh, sadly, bro, we, we feel you, man. <laughs> Sorry to see that uh, come to fruition. Uh, next up, guys, I believe we have a – oh, we do. We have uh, an old maid going through the elevator, is stuck, and what's going on? Whoa! Oh. <laughs> oh, is she okay you know something that elevator has like a very quick open and closed door I've never seen an elevator that quick in my life not even at ACC when I got uh, locked in the elevator when the power went off nor was it that fast that time I literally counted 1001 1002 1003 from it opening and closing Good grief, Isaiah. Speaking about a blooper, I got stuck in an elevator at college when the power went off. There was no way the elevator was that fast. I don't know what kind of elevator she was on, but I guarantee you she probably didn't have her job after that. Total insanity, man. The person goes up without the door closing, and then the, the sheets or the towels start flying. Luckily, nobody got hurt because, you know, you could have had someone walk in. And then, they like, see, when she goes in, you could have had someone walking through that hole if it wasn't for those buckets, and they would have been going up and down, up and up. 
That damn elevator, though, man, has a mind of... I've never seen an elevator move that fast up the mm -hmm. shaft ever in my life. My goodness gracious. Uh, next up, guys, skateboarding by the ocean. First of all, why is this guy skateboarding on a brick road like that, trying to do a trick and knowing that he's going on a slight decline downhill? Is he trying to impress his aunt? Is he like eight years old? Like, what are you? This is on top of stuff you're trying. Oh, oh look, our aunt, whatever. Look what I'm doing. I don't know how old this person it's is. Whole, but... Hey, Ma, look, no hands. It's. I just don't. You're luckily you fell off. But the board is now in the water and gone forever. <laughs> Isaiah? You know, we have, we've been talking to this whole entire show about luck, right? That's probably the most unluckiest thing I've ever seen uh, in my life. Because the guy does a flip and then kicks the board in midair. And the board just goes flying and underneath the fencing and into the water. That is so unlu unlucky, man. Poor guy. Still want to know why he thought it was a good idea to go down a brick road, uneven pavement on a skateboard, do a trick, and also wipe out and, above all else, lose the board into the water. James says, that was satisfying to watch. Yeah, I mean, guys trying to impress people, get it for TikTok views and IG views and Snapchat story views, and fail. Last but not least, guys, we had an Abbas one in late, but hey, we have another Gymnastics Ultimate Face Plants. Bro, ow! I think she probably is now looking like Bucktooth Becky. Like I, I did. <laughs> how did he not hold on? How did he not hold on to her? It's not like she was heavy. It's not like, well, I'm not gonna say that. It's not like any part of her body was heavy. It's not like you're holding canoes, like. What are you doing? How do you not catch her? How, how do you not? You know, how how does that then, not happen? You now know, she's like Bucktooth Becky in those old, in that one uh, Fairy Odd Parents uh, cartoon. We had that like, girl with, like missing most of her teeth. That's probably going to be her. And how do you not catch her? Bro, it's not like you're holding a lot. She's not heavy or anything else. There's like no reason. Who wears the pants in a relationship? Obviously, it's Bucktooth Becky. Womp, womp, womp. James says, concussion protocol. Isaiah? The coach is most likely out of a job after that. Because if you look at it, oh, not just that. I, agree, I agree with John. It looks like she, she, she like lands, right? And then it seems like he throws her to the mat. And then or drops her. And then, uh, you know, face first on the mat. I, you know, I've done that before because I used to take gymnastics back uh, when I was young, and my gosh, like with that mat, like you know, it has padding. By the way, I don't even know why I just admitted to the world that I used to take gymnastics, but you know that. Oh, say, say, say that for the save that for when like he gets married or gets a job yeah. when he gets gymnastics. Hey, time out. There's nothing wrong with that, Isaiah. One of my uncles did gymnastics in high school too, and it was still a thing. But now it's. I mean, not. women do it. So I mean, that's a good way to pick up women in high school. But that mat, that gymnastics mat, right? Everybody thinks, oh, it's like really soft because it's no, padded. 
Actually, very hard. Yeah, they're they're, they're very so hard. What do you think if that happened to her? What do you think she would look like? Like, what would, do you think? Like reality? Black I know we're joking. Nose, missing teeth, black eye, beaver. Leave it to beaver. One eyed, yes. One eyed Willie. All the above. Either way, though, folks, we'll wrap it up for one more edition of our bloopers of the week, courtesy of Isaiah scouring the web to find some of the funniest uh, sports and non-sports uh, bloopers of the week. We do it, folks, as usual, every Sunday here on the Night Shift on the Sunday programs. With that now, folks, we will finally wrap things up with tonight's final thoughts. Time to wrap things up on this now Monday morning here on the night shift as we go past the midnight hour on the West Coast. John, we'll start with you for final thoughts for tonight's program. Adam Gase, you need to be out of a job. This guy also just lost his girlfriend. Nobody wants to take buck tooth, one-eyed, <laughs> two-legged Becky. Third of all. Oh, my gosh. Like, a mad, like. I don't want to, we'll talk about this later after the video's over, but there's no reason why he should have dropped her. Like, the amount of distrust happening after that, not just if he has the money to pay for her dentist bill, but what if she gets new teeth and starts staying the dentist? Okay, that's too far. But um, <laughs> I have no faith in Vic Fangio. Drew Lock is not the answer. And Isaiah, please stop giving people false hope. The San Francisco, like, look at my nickname. The San Francisco 49ers are missing the playoffs in 2020. And even if they made it, they would get more demolished. They'd be more destroyed than a blowout in a Higgins diaper. They're not making the playoffs. Don't give them false hope. Bring Harborough back and let him go 5-11 and 11 for the next 10 years. And maybe he can be the next, uh, I don't know. But no, stop giving people false hope. Just like that guy thought. After, oh, she's still going to go out with me. Now, again, each other falls hope. Stop it. Especially during the Christmas time. Oh, man. Isaiah, over to you with your final thoughts, if you have any to muster. Well, it's been a long, great program tonight. Uh, I'm so thankful that, you know, 7-Eleven gave me free coffee because that, you know, that is what's keeping me from, you know, that's what's keeping me from dropping down on the ground and falling asleep. But, you know, before... Before I get into my final thoughts, I want to thank Casey King, Shardo Gupta, uh, James Gonzalez, as well as Angel. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, Drew, uh, Julio Mendez. Yeah, Julio Mendez. Um, and Ryan Schreiner, as well as. Damn, I think Martin, yeah, Martin Garcia tuned in, as well as uh, our buddy Stephen Wang, uh, our executive producer of the MI6 Sports Network. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and the support uh, that you guys give us all the time. And uh, I just want to say happy Monday, Monday to all of you guys. Um, you know, hopefully tonight uh, my 49ers will be able to pull off an epic win against the Buffalo Bills to keep our playoff hopes alive so I can go back on another week of programming and just brag to Callan, brag to John, brag to 
Steven, brag to all the other guys that, hey, we still got a shot in this thing, man. Even though it might seem like very far-fetched, but we still got a shot in this. And who knows? Maybe, you know, 2020 has been very insane. So we might be uh, able to end 2020 with Nick Mullins raising that Super Bowl MVP trophy. That's my dream right there. But, yeah, it's been a great program, man. Happy Monday to all of you guys. Can't wait to see you guys in, like, 15 hours for another episode of Wild Sports Talk. Uh, my availability for that show will depend if or not the Niners lose. So make sure you guys watch that game. And last no, but not least, no, Khaled, no, no. get some of the pancakes, the French toast, the eggs, and bacon so we can just, you know, pull an all nighter. No food talk. No food talk. 30 p.m. John, your, your, your phone screen's going black, buddy. Yeah. Is this your morning coffee that you had that you posted a couple hours ago? This is what's keeping you up. Yes, and this sir. is the same person giving you hope about the 49ers. First of all, you started Nick Mullins after Josh Allen. So I don't want to hear nothing about tonight or tomorrow, whatever, about them losing. The only way they could win is if they cancel the game and pull a hardball because of COVID. That's the only way they're going to win. That's a moral victory. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, the comment box has gone off the rail here tonight with uh, all the uh, banter about the uh, programs or at least the uh, fight between Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul. Uh, one quick thought from Casey King. He says, my sister did, did gymnastics. She was no Higgins, Isaiah, in it as she was damn good <laughs> at it. Uh, definitely agree about that. Of course, folks, uh, brief final thoughts. Again, as mentioned, we thank you for tuning in and for sticking with us throughout the course of the Sunday night into the Monday morning uh, for us West Coast folks. Again, we'll be back with you folks on Monday at 7.30 p.m. to uh, give you another episode of Wild Sports Talk with John Mathis, Isaiah Leung, and, of course, yours truly as well. Uh, with that, guys, we do, we do, though, wrap up day seven officially from uh, the Sunday start of the program with, our, uh, with the uh, Network's uh, Hot Takes Challenge, day seven in the books officially. Again, folks, we asked you tonight uh, who, in fact, win, would uh, win. Was it Shree saying that Tua Tagovailoa is essentially Johnny Manziel 2.0 without the character issues? Or, again, that uh, right now feeble, they're now other infamous uh, walk-off is set between myself and John Mathis. And what, guys, is the first close race of the entire uh, portion of the challenge? Shree moves on by a vote. 56 How? Shree to face Ryan in the second round of the bracket challenge. But, of course, folks, we'll bring you another day of the Network Hot Takes Challenge for day number eight on Monday, which, of course, will feature uh, me and Ryan going head-to-head -head with my hot take of Kobe being better than Larry Bird all time for their careers against Ryan writing in the Browns record on his nameplate that you see down below on screen here for day eight of the challenge. With that, folks, been a long night into the early morning here, but for John Alcorn, Stephen Wang, and Isaiah Leung, and for the entire cast and crew, folks, yours truly, Cal McClurk, signing off. Folks, up until Monday, later tonight, if you're on the West Coast, at 7.30 p.m. with myself, John, and Isaiah, maybe actually moving the game or the uh, show back so Isaiah can uh, watch. Warn is lost. And wipe his death, maybe, of his uh, Niners. We'll have that program for you folks on Monday. And regardless, Isaiah will be in that chair below me on screen to talk about this game on Monday night, folks. Till next time, have a good rest of your night. Take care and please stay safe and stay healthy. Till uh, till next time, folks, good night and bye-bye. <laughs>